0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. and welcome to a special edition of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. I was saddened to learn this week of New York Times bestselling author Theodore August Bell III. We knew him as Ted Bell. He passed away peacefully at age 76 on January 20th from an intracerebral hemorrhage. As many of you know, Ted was a phenomenal craftsman. He could flat out write a story. In fact, he had 10 consecutive bestsellers, eight from his Alex Hawk series of spy thrillers, plus two from his young adult adventure series, Nick of Time and the Time Pirate. I remember when he first told me about these books and I could not wait to get my hands on them. If you wonder what kind of a reach he had, his work was translated into 17 languages. Another thing I love to hear Ted talk about is his daughter, Birdie. And man, he talked about Birdie all the time. We had a chance to have two sit-downs on The Thriller Zone. And we talked on the phone several times. But boy, he talked about Birdie. He really loved her. Ted was known for his creative talents, his intelligence, his great sense of humor. He was a true Southern gentleman, if you ever met him. A natty dresser. He loved his cocktails, which we talk about in the upcoming episodes. And as you can imagine, he was loved by all of his friends and family. It was hard not to love this guy. So today's episode is dedicated to Ted. I thought it'd be cool just to go back and pull up two episodes from two years ago. My first sit down. It was one of my very first podcasts. And I was so excited, so nervous to talk to this New York Times bestselling author. And within minutes, he made me feel perfectly comfortable as only he could. And we had a great conversation. Six months later, and because I was trying to grow the show and I was so excited to talk to him again and he had another book coming out, we sat down a second time, both times wearing handsome sport coats as he always did. So folks, kick back and enjoy not one, but two episodes. I'm going to play them back to back. Some of it will be duplicates, but you know, it doesn't matter because I just want to honor the life of Ted Here's to Alex Hawk and my good friend, Ted Bell. By the way, you'll notice, Ted, that um, I have been stalking. Well, you won't notice that I've been stalking your Instagram, but because I knew you're such a debonair suave guy, I I upped my game. You've got it working. I mean, you look like you just stepped off a yacht. I've got to tell you something, Ted. My yacht is much bigger than yours. I'm oh, sure it is. Uh, Mine's 350 feet. I don't know what yours is. Mine is a dinghy. So <laughs>
1: I did. Uh, I don't have a boat. This is the first time in my life I've not had a boat. It's making me nuts. Why do you not have a boat? Well, I had. I had. I had a lot of different boats when I lived in Chicago. I had a, a, a beautiful Hinkley Southwester 35. Oh, 1954. Uh, Block Island champion that I bought in Manchester by the Sea and trucked out to Chicago Yacht Club, and I sailed that for ten years out there. And then when I moved to Palm Beach, we, I had a dock right on the water that went right out to the intercoastal. Oh. and so sailing didn't make a whole lot of sense on the intercoastal, but having a powerboat did. And so I got a one of those Carolina boats that had the big flared hulls, sure, and, and the big and then the, it, very sleek. And I had um, three 250-horsepower outboards on the transom. It was just, like, insane. <laughs> so my, my stepson and I were just fired out to Ocean Reef Club or to Miami and Key
0: West. And it was wow. great.
1: It was great, yeah.
0: And you're in Connecticut now, right? Greenwich, right. Got yeah. it. And do you, no boats, though. No
1: boats. I'm I'm thinking about joining this club called bellhaven club and if i do do that i might get a power boat that i can go over to uh long island with from from the bellhaven club or stuff like that i don't know who knows wow but now in my life is sort of changing because my beloved girlfriend victoria bought a beautiful house in charleston and i'm going there on saturday and i probably will stay hopefully like a month or something
0: charleston um, south carolina yeah Charleston, oh. South Carolina. yeah that's down my neck of the woods where are you? Is that are you from South Carolina? No, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from a Charlotte area. Oh, Charlotte's a great town. Yeah, way I way love, back when. Yeah, love North Carolina. It is uh, beautiful in Charleston. I mean, between the the history and the the um, old buildings and the water, it's, and it's the garden,
1: lovely. the garden yes. the architecture. I mean, our street, which is Lawrence Street, um, you just just driving down the street or walking the dog. You're looking at the, the most beautiful gardens you can imagine and incredible oh. architecture. And everybody's very house proud. So oh, the yeah. house is like perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, ours was built in 1769. So wow. still a British um, colony then. Um, so it's a very British architecture. But um, it's, it's, she found a beautiful house in a great historic
0: neighborhood. I always thought it was interesting, though. What do they call them? The, the porches run um Lo- they call them loges loges yeah they go yeah, uh the front back instead of the, loges, in the front
1: the loges run on every floor yeah. from the street side all the way to the back of the garden yeah and so it's all this walking and sitting room and and stuff like that but it's fair they're very pretty and really high ceilings and beautiful yeah. windows and beautiful fireplaces and so I'm, I'm going saturday i can't wait to get there good for you yeah i've been hanging out in this house all by myself for like months I'm Having him. when I finished my book, I was like bored to tears.
0: So, the good news is you're going down there. The bad news is you're going at probably what the single hottest part of yeah. the whole year sticky 90
1: muddy. 99 yesterday,
0: dude. This she the she worst
1: she couldn't even go out and walk the dog. Yeah, I nothing I can do about it. We have great air conditioning now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The so thick that sure. the, the living rooms is, is like when you walk in, you feel like it's air conditioned, but it's not, it's just the cold air it stays inside. Yeah. So I'll do. I grew grew up in Florida, so I've been through. Yeah,
0: you you know all that stuff.
1: But I just, you know, just want to be there.
0: Yeah. So, Ted, let me ask you, because I've I've seen a couple of different numbers. I saw 12. I saw 13. Is it 14 New York Times bestsellers now?
1: Yeah, because um, that I think there are. I'm not sure how many hawk books there are, but in addition to the hawk books are the first two books I wrote. Right. One of them was Nick of Time, which was um, done by St. Martin's. And then the sequel was called The Time Pirate. And, and The Time Pirate is, is up for serious consideration as a streaming Netflix uh, series. Because it's, it's time travel. It's got Nazis and pirates. And sure. Great, great. So I've got a great producer out there who's putting
0: all this together for me. And that was, was that 2000? That was your first book, right? but uh, Nick of time was the first Nick book of time. Out. Yeah. And I was still, I was
1: writing that when I was running yr and living in London. And so every spare minute that I wasn't working, I was writing that book Wow! vacations and everything. Um, and I continued to write it when we came back and moved to Greenwich on the commute, on the train going in and out, uh, I was writing it and, uh, I never had any idea that I'd be able to sell the manuscript, but, but St. Martin's just loved it. So, and it got number four on the Times list for the children's hardcover, which was the first
0: book. I mean, that was great. So, the, then, so you're out of the gate in 2000 with a, in the YA book, and then shortly thereafter, that well, this was well before. Um, I think
1: I think Hawk, which which is the first Hawk book, came and I want to say 2003.
0: Three, yeah. So three years later. Yeah. Then came Hawk. How did you jump from Y A? you must have I, something tells me you were hardwired for that James Bond esque thriller oh, type before you wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And I was much more of a fan of Ian than of Bond. Um, yes, I Bond was sort of boring. I mean, the movies made him made him funny, but the books were just very dry because Ian said that he wanted him to be the gray man that doesn't stand out in a crowd. And he he, may, he wrote it that way, and yet, I mean he's I mean he's obviously a fabulous writer and and uh, but yeah I, I I thought we I could do make him a more interesting character than than Bond, and sort of take Bond as a jumping off point and then have this guy be the sixth richest man in England, bachelor of the year, Tatler magazine in London every year, yeah whatever and. Uh... So, yeah, so I just had, I had fun thinking up Hawk, you know.
0: First of all, how does it feel to have James the legend Patterson call you your Alex Hawk, basically the new James Bond, which... was we good. Oh, <laughs> <clearly> <laughs> thank <enough>. you, Jim. <laughs> he was, he was, it was funny because he
1: and I were, were not very friendly when we both lived in New York because he was running uh, the creative department at J. Walter Thompson. Yeah. I was running Y&R, worldwide creative department. And so he was always trying to steal my guys and I was trying to steal his guys. So he's <laughs> a competitive thing. And I remember I was standing on Madison 72nd outside of Ralph Lauren and waiting for the light to change. And this bus goes by and I see this huge ad all the way down the side of the bus saying, Kiss the Girls, the new, move, the new book by James I went, that son of a bitch. And now he's written a novel. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> so then I moved to Palm Beach and which uh, he lives there as well right yeah he does and he was like three houses away from me wow and so we we became pals but he's a feisty so have you ever met him or talked to him
0: no but i've i took his master class on masterclass.com and and got a real good sense of what he was about after 15 or 20 episodes of that yeah
2: yeah but
0: he's a he's a feisty guy you say yeah he is he's
1: like sort of uh prickly yeah like he would say, he would call me and say, So what are you doing? I said, I'm working on the book. He said, Well, come over here. I, I got to talk to you. And so I go over there and it's in the afternoon and he's sitting out by his pool and I sit by the pool with him. And I say, What's on your mind, JP? And he said, What why do you go down all these roads in your in your work? I said, What do you mean? He said, You just go down these roads, you go down a road and take another road and you take a detour, go back to an old road and then back. What do you what is that all about? I said i like to not know where i'm going i like to i want it to be like oh gosh i didn't think this was gonna happen and he said well i don't know it's not my way i said no he said you don't outline obviously i said i've never outlined and i never will he outlines everything
0: he outlines every single beat and he he does it by hand on pencil on legal pad and he does it until he is happy with it so you you never outline but never have but then he turns it over to his
1: you know his his army of writers right you see he gives them like 60 pages of plot and then they turn it into 250 pages or whatever um oh is that how that works yeah yeah so if you go in his office they like just stacks of manuscripts all around the room he's just got like 30 books going you know the guy's crazy but anyway he was very helpful to me i have to say
0: well i was going to say how interesting is it the the uh, parallel Advertising exec, advertising exec, a right. right. uh, Florida, Florida, book, book. And right. now, granted, nothing against, nothing taken away from you, but he's, the word prolific doesn't even quite begin to do it because of the volume that he's written. Right. But uh, I'm not sneezing at you. You got your first one in 03, 04, 05, 06, 08, 010, 12, 2 and 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 20. I mean, you're not sitting around goofing off uh, on some... No leisurely um, boat ride of yours you're you're cranking
1: because um, 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 i i'm never happier than when i'm just in that living in that world with all those characters
0: it's And
1: people uh, like my friends i mean you yeah. know, like i sit down and they all start talking and again i go i love that i love that he said because i don't know what they're going to say i totally get that it's like i'm taking dictation they're sure. just talking i'm not thinking well he says hawk says you know, we've got to find this woman, and then Congreve says, "Well, she's dead, or whatever." I don't—that doesn't even occur to me to think what they're going to say to each other. They just say it, and it just comes out of the blue. It's like I'm overhearing the conversation and writing it
0: down. Taking- that is—that's a gift, Ted. You know that. I guess because you know people sort of like the—they like the books. Well, I was going to say I'm loving Czar, and I'm looking. That's at That's my favorite, by the way. Yeah, well, I guess that because you sent it to me 700 pages yeah. uh, is that's no, you know, that's no slouch. And I'll tell you what the the one well, I've got so many things to say about. But basically the thing I love the most is the volume of detail. You don't just you don't get in the car, speed away, go shoot someone, go. I mean, it is you paint the environment, you <laughs> yeah. layer the characters. It's 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 a beautiful tapestry of words one
1: of the things i got from jim uh that i i mean he didn't give me a lot but he did he did occasionally say something i would go okay that's good that's a good thing to know and he said yeah he said he said when you're when you're really in deep into the book you should not think of chapters you should think of scenes in a movie and each chapter is another scene in the movie and it's just like you're watching the movie and then it you have it dissolve over to the, now we're over here now he's in, on the riviera or whatever and it said just think of it as a scene instead of a chapter because the chapter you kind of think well it's what's beginning middle and end it doesn't have to be it can just be just go with it but so that was a good thing i got from him
0: uh i i would 100 percent agree and it at about 70 chapters that's fits perfectly with the screenplay. I mean, when you break it down similarly. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this question is, since we're on czar and and I'm loving Alex Hawk, um, your lead character, how how, the first one you've read? Yes, it is. Yeah. Here's a a good one to start with. Well, here's the beautiful thing. And I and I mean this in all the best ways is I had never heard of you. I'm trying to recall Mm -hmm. how how I found out about you. But Mm -hmm. I knew the minute I picked this up, I'm like, I've got a new favorite author that I'm going to spend a lot of time with And I'm not just That's saying not that weird. to blow smoke up your skirt. I'm just saying, right. This is because I was such an Ian Fleming, James Bond okay. kind of character yeah. fan. Yeah. 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 And you do. You do take it a step further and and I'm loving it. But here's my question. I noticed when I was doing some research on Twitter, your yeah. Twitter aliases, Ali, Alex Hawk, not you. Right. And right. I wanted to say how similar classic question, how similar are you and Alex?
1: Pretty pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm not a British lord, he is. I'd like to be a British lord. Yeah. If I could like fall asleep and wake up a British lord, I'd be happy. But um, he's, I think, one of the things I, I thought was a failing of Ian's, and I'm a huge fan, I've read every biography of Ian. I've been to his house in, in Mayfair, uh, where he lived with Anne. I've been to, uh, the, the Golden, house, Eye. Jamaica, Golden Eye. Jamaica Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'm a huge fan of his, so I'm not knocking him. But I just thought that I thought Bond was sort of boring. You know, he just he didn't he never showed any emotion. He was never funny. Um he was just a guy. And so I was I just said, I'm gonna make Hawk charming and dashing and debonair and and a, a, a real ladies man and you know ha- most Bachelor of the Year, six richest man in England, yachts, houses everywhere. So I just said I'm going for it, and um, you know I had I had him have a in in, in uh, Seahawk. He has a new yacht built in in Holland, which is 250 feet long, and it's basically a battleship disgu- disguised as a gentleman's yacht. Right, I mean, it's, it's got radar guided missiles. It's got it's got all this crap, and uh, He's even on a bow. He's friends with in, in in Seahawk. He's friends with Elon Musk, and so Elon tells him about this laser cannon that he's building, and, <laughs> and he says, "Can I get one of those?" And he says, "Sure." He says, what what are you going to do with this? It's mounted it on the bow of my boat. I can, I can slice things in half with a
0: laser cannon. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I just made it outrageous. Sure, sure, sure. Well, it's about toys, right? Men and their yeah, and a their lot toys. about toys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: his car is exactly what the car that Ian drove for most of his life, which is a 1953 Bentley Continental R uh, with a souped up engine, nice. uh, steel, uh, steel battleship gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Hawk's daily driver is exactly that car. But then he's got a Ferrari. He's got all this other stuff.
0: Is that black Bentley I saw on Instagram yours? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a beauty it's i call
1: it i call it the
0: batmobile it's like yeah <laughs> yeah it's wicked and sexy at the same time it's good and it's v12 oh so when i'm it, the torque when
1: i'm trying to get out on the merit yeah you know going to new york or going north it just explodes the, i mean for a big heavy car that's just total luxury it rockets yeah it's great the, the feeling of the torque is just like fantastic it's I had, I used to, have, I had, I had two Ferraris
2: uh-huh.
1: in my life, and I had a 550 Marinella, which was a V12, sort of a gentleman's touring car, mm-hmm. and then I had the 612 Scaglietti, which was a, I think the only Ferrari that had a s- small back seat, um, which I, I never liked that one very much, but I did like the 550, and but this Bentley, I just, I would never give it up. It's just heaven.
0: So you are. Basically sharing Alex Hawke's life. You are living the Alex Hawke life. I'm wondering, do your friends accuse you of blending the two lives seamlessly? No. No? No. I mean, nobody has done that. Yeah. Maybe you want
1: to blend me if I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I created him out of, out of. you know, one of the great things about being chairman of Young Rubicam is I was all over the world all the time. Oh yeah, and and I made sure I went to like Hotel de Cap. <laughs> I made sure I went to Claridges and Dorchester and wherever, um, and I just was having a ball. And I was not real popular because I really didn't. I never cared about politics in business. Right. I just all I cared about was I wanted to do or for our company, Young Rubicam. We were the largest agency in the world at that point. And I wanted us to just do the best ads that were being done in the world. That's all I wanted, I didn't care about what my title was or anything. And so one of my jobs being based in London was to go to the European offices and take the creative director and the the office, uh, guy who ran the office out to dinner that night. And then the next morning, go to the office and show show me all the work that the commercials that they had done so far that year. And so, Some of the creative directors I thought were brilliant. Like the guy in London, Mike. uh, What was Mike's last name? I can't remember, but he was he was fabulous. And uh, but like the guy in Milan uh, was a sort of a pretty boy with a ponytail and he was on all the magazine covers and he was a terrible creative director. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd go down there and I was like, oh, OK, what do we got here? And um, he said, Ted, you have to see we've done the best Marlboro commercial for Christmas ever done. I said, well, I'll show it to you tomorrow morning. And I said, great, great. Can't wait to see it. So I go over there to their screening room and he puts this commercial on. And it's a guy in a buckboard with two horses dragging a huge Christmas tree behind the buckboard through the snow, like in Montana. Or okay. The only Marlboro about it at that point is the, the Marlboro man music. But there's like, what? And it goes on forever. I think it's like 90 seconds. And I keep thinking, where is this guy going? Right. Why is he dragging a Christmas tree? And what's it got to do with Marlboro? And, and so finally he goes over a hill and he sees a little cabin with lights in the window and smoke coming up. And you cut inside and there's this little family gathered around their Christmas tree with the fire going and there's a knock at the door. And the they go to the door and open the front door and there's a guy standing there with a big fur hood on. And he pulls his hood back and says, Merry Christmas. And it's Paul Newman. And, I, and so, I, so I said to Giovanni, I said, he said, what do you think? I said, I just have a question for you. Maybe I'm crazy. What's Paul Newman doing, delivering Christmas trees in Santa? He's a famous actor that lives in LA. But now he's delivering a Christmas trees, you know, with a buckboard. What, like, what's the deal there? He said, "It's Paul Newman." I said, "I know it's Paul Newman, but I don't understand why he's in the commercial because he doesn't he doesn't do any Paul Newman stuff. He just says Merry Christmas, and then and how much did we pay him? $1 million dollars, million dollars. Because Marlboro had infinite supply. You know. <laughs> he said to me that night at dinner, he had a few drinks, and he said. Ted, he said, do you know what we all call you behind your back? I said, No, how would I know it's behind my back? He said, We call you the corporate seagull. I said, The corporate seagull? That's interesting. Why do you call me that? He said, Because you fly in, you shit all over everything, and then you fly away. <laughs> I said, that's pretty accurate job description. <laughs> that's about what I do. You're right.
0: Wow. Anyway. Oh. Nice to have friends in high places. Yeah, right. So have we started or are we just still oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) okay great yeah so ddb new york leo Uh, burnett chicago young and rubicam london had you always dreamt of being before writing had you always dreamt of being in advertising i'm just curious i've always been fascinated with advertising No, i'm i was
1: I, i didn't know anything about it but i i moved to um my grandmother for for a college graduation present gave me a year abroad in in Europe and I I got a little house in Switzerland and I started working on what would become Nick of Time and um, I had a girlfriend from New York who was a Ford model who had was living with this Swedish Vogue photographer in Milan and she would invite me down to his parties every every Saturday night and so I just met all these advertising people from Milan and they would all say You know, can I take you to lunch tomorrow? I said, sure, right, let's go. And this one guy, Luigi Montagini said, Ted, you need to be an advertiser. I said, I don't even know what it is. I mean, I sort of know what it is. I saw Cary Grant be an advertising guy in the movie, but um, I said, why is that? He said, because you're funny. And funny is really good in advertising. So I said, okay. So he hired me at his agency, didn't speak a word of Italian at that point. And it was a German company and the German owner came down to do a tour of the Italian office. And he stopped by my office, such as it was, and said, "Uh, who are you? And I told him, he said, what do you do here? So I'm a copywriter. He said, oh, but do you speak Italian? I said, no, but Luigi's (laughs) gonna send me to, Luigi's gonna get me Italian lessons. And so he went to Luigi and and he fired me (laughs) because I didn't speak Italian. He could understand why Luigi would think I could even do the job because I didn't speak Italian. But that was okay, I got the bug. Just by working there for a month or so, I
0: just love the energy. Yeah, um, yeah. And that makes me wonder what's what's it like. Let's see. That was uh, you had to be twenty five. This was the seventies. Oh You're twenty five. What was that like living in New yeah. York? That it was of, great. It was yeah.
1: great, single in New York in the seventies. It was fabulous. Woo! And I loved the job. I loved it. And I, my first agency was Tinker Dodge in Delano. And Mary Wells was the creative director, and then she left and started Wells Rich Green. But um, I just love the business so much that I would literally run between meetings. I would run. Like if I you know, I had a meeting and I had to be in my office for nothing, I'd run in my office. And so I found out that, that, that Mary, who I later got to know pretty well, she said that they called me to, Let's, Who who do you want to have work on this? on this pitch for roses lime juice or whatever the hell it was. Right. Had boy, the boy that runs, get him.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the boy that runs. <laughs> and um I told Victoria, my girlfriend just started a new job in Charleston. And I told her the story of the boy who runs. I said, you want to be like the boy that runs because everybody wants the guy who runs. Yeah. So excited they can't wait to get to the next challenge or whatever.
0: What do you do you have a uh, a really key lesson that you walked away from such a prolific career in advertising that, that, that affected your life and has now uh, helped benefit your writing career.
1: Yeah, I do. Because what I, I hated most advertising. And I still, I, now I really hate it. because there's nothing, there's no good advertising anymore. It's just garbage. Yeah. I mean, the only company that's doing anything funny is uh, the insurance Geico yeah they're funny that's it but everything used to be funny or at least great storytelling you know the ads we did for polaroid and mcdonald's and, and uh you know all these wonderful clients we had um were were like like movies they right stories. they was stories um and so i just that's the only kind of commercial i was interested in was a story um and you know i didn't do like hold the product up whatever you know, I just did stories. And I, I so I just the power of storytelling really hit home with me. If you could do it in 60 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever, yeah. and tell a, a, a good story with a beginning, middle, and end, storytelling was something I was really interested in.
0: Remember back in the day when the Super Bowl ads were the best thing ever they everybody yeah. put all their chips on Red 26 on that day and it, absolutely they, you would almost watch the you would watch the That's Super the Bowl commercial yeah people would and then the next
1: Monday after yeah. Super Bowl Sunday they'd run a big article in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal saying the the new Miller Lite commercials are hysterical yep. whatever. and we you know we we did a lot of major, major Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. And shot them all with the same director, Joe Pitka, and, and they were they were stunning. And I was it was just so much fun. You couldn't wait to Super Bowl day to see your commercial like
0: sure. Five million people or whatever. What a great living. But what happened, Ted? What happened to those great ads? The last several years you just research. Pers- huh? Research is what happened. Oh research. good. All of a
1: sudden, after and this was at Doyle Dane, which was the premier creative agency of the 60s and, and 70s, all of a sudden we had a research department. And and I was like one of the heads of the creative department and I, they say, have, and I would take a, an ad to the account guys who were going to go to the client the next day and, and they would say, well, has research seen this idea? And I'd say, no. I said, no. Well, you got to show it to research. I said, why? What do they know? And they said, well, they're research. I said, yeah, but what do they know? They don't know anything about the client. They don't know anything about how to create advertising that works. And uh, they said, well, the client, now that we've got a research department wants everything to go through research. And I said to myself and everybody would listen, I said, this is the beginning of the end. Yep. I'm not going to want to do this business anymore yep. with research. And it was just stupid, the comments they would make. Um, so that, and that, that kind of, they took over the research people and the clients liked it because they would feel like they couldn't make a mistake with their boss because the research people had told them at the ad agency that this was what they should do. It wasn't their idea. It
0: was the research. people. So they just ass covering is really what PYA, it was. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it reminds me of uh, early uh, the the latter days of radio. The reason I got out of radio when is the consolidation when all the big corporations started buying up everybody, and we had yeah. no competition anymore, yeah. and it all got watered down, which meant you didn't really follow the ratings anymore. So the guys wouldn't compete, and then the na- the stations wouldn't compete, and you're like, Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: right. That's how I felt.
1: But but it was a great Doyle Dane was a great place to start. Yes, yeah. they were. I learned a lot in those five or six years that I worked there. Um, that stood me in good stead when I went to Burnett, um, which everybody thought was a lost cause because they were just doing these critters. You know, they had the keeper Elves and they had Charlie the Tuna, the Maytag Repair. It opposite of the kind of advertising that I, had Indian inclination of doing. Right, so I, I just brought the Doyle Dane work ethic and creative strategy to Leo Burnett and we turned the company around inside of a year wow. I hired all the old guys who've just been resting on their laurels making a lot of money and hired all young kids right out of art school or from University of Texas advertising uh, school and I filled the place up with all these young Turks that didn't know the rules and just wanted to do the kind of stuff I wanted to do I wanted to be funny I wanted to be whatever and we, we turned that agency around
0: um, and, I'm having a flashback of mad men. Yeah. Remember in the old, uh, like early in the series, it was, it was one way. And then when they started bending rules and bringing in new blood and just right. going free for all, because, right. uh, a, a true creative an artist, can't really be bound by rules. That's no. don't put or them really, in a box.
2: Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, my feeling was, and they actually sent some people to, to my office um, when they were getting into production. But it was a lot based on Y&R. It was kind of a mix of Y&R and Doyle Dane, mm-hmm. um, and the head creative guy was sort of um, exactly the, they just nailed it with that guy, whatever's John Ham. Um, oh yeah, I mean he was perfect. Um, but it was it was fun to watch. And I mean, a lot of crazier stuff happened than the stuff on the show.
0: Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. I promise you. <laughs> I don't doubt it, especially with yeah. you, from what little I know about you. I, I w- that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Right. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So, so let's l- let's bring it up to a little bit newer uh, or, yep. or l- later in life and say, when when was that point when somebody said to you they picked up that manuscript and said, Wow you've got the goods, let's let's do this thing, let's write up a contract and get going.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the first one that got published was Nick of Time, which was right. the first book I wrote, um, in which the car- character of Alex Hop appears in that book okay. as a five year old boy with his little sister as a character that's been kidnapped by pirates. And so when I came time to write a grown up book, I said, I'm calling him Alex Hop because I like that name. There you and, go. But he started in, in, in Nick of Time, um, but I just it's, it's Nick of Time gave me permission to take chances because I figured I'm writing for young adults, mm-hmm. and so they're going to be more forgiving than maybe the critical adult audience. Right. And I just it gave me permission to just l- let it rip, and. I loved every minute of writing that book. Every minute of it was just, and I, I, I didn't have to, to wait for anybody to tell me it was good. I knew because I spent my whole life reading. That's all. I that's I spent my most of my life just reading. Sure. Since first grade, um, I was always never without a book in my hand, no matter where I went.
0: Well, you I was going like, to say one thing about reading your work. It's abundantly clear is that you you can tell that you're an avid reader. You can tell that you're uh, well-versed in history and politics and research, but I mean, first and at the end, you can flat out write. I mean, let's just say that, but um, is it Stephen King says, if you're not a writer, if you're not a reader.
1: Yeah, that's true. I agree with him. And there's a quote, I just, I'm reading this book called The Plot, which is, it's great. It's about a writing, creative writing teacher who steals a plot from one of his students because it's so brilliant. (laughs) And he has to deal with the consequences. And the the little forward of the first pages of the book says, uh, good writers borrow from other writers, great writers steal. (laughs) And I think think it's true. I mean, if I see a sentence or two that are just beautiful, I can fit them in. I just stick them in.
2: Oh, and do I don't you really? really
1: about it because I mean, if I'm I, if I'm one of the first impressionist artists, and all of a sudden every artist in Paris wants to paint like me, they're going to steal my technique. Right. And so that's just kind of what artists do—they take from who went before. Right. Um, but I mean, I would never have a whole page or even a paragraph, but a, a sentence here or there, or a description of a sunset or something like that. I'll just you know
0: lay it in back to James Patterson do you guys still do you steal from one another and or do you talk on any kind of regular basis I'm curious no
1: I, I still go to Palm Beach down then yeah. and I'll go out to dinner and I'll see he and Sue and his kid Jack is I love yeah. and uh, really a smart kid and um, so I, I yeah I see him and we're friendly nice we don't talk on the phone or anything um, but yeah we're still friendly
0: let's go to um uh, another piece of your creative spirit that I'm uh, completely enamored with because I've've tested my hand at this but you you shut out of the gate was was your first attempt at screenplay writing was that about 25 and did you is it true that you sold that like out of the gate
1: yeah I sold um
0: and what screenplay was that
1: well I I wrote a, a, a screenplay of Nick of tonic okay when paramount bought it oh geez so right out of the right out of the gate (laughs) and i mean i've learned my lesson about hollywood because i mean now i've got a great producer out there now things are starting to happen for me because my 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 head producer mary alice haney is she has two producer partners two women one of the girls is married to the ceo of universal Nice. And the other girl is married to the head of Netflix films. <laughs> so she she says, we are, we are fast-tracking you, you know, with my two girls. We're going right to the top of Universal and right to the top of Netflix. Wow. So that's where uh, Time Pirates is getting ready to go to uh, to Netflix. I should send you the lookbook.
0: I'd love to see that.
1: Beautiful. The art is, I, I did most of the creative work on it myself. And it's it's just for producers can it's like seeing storyboards of what the sure. film will look like. And it's a great way to sell, you know, especially a visionary tale that's got time travel and
0: oh, yeah. new
1: boats. And all I, I,
0: I, I, uh, I sense a series. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You good, wouldn't it, mind at it, all.
1: Well, I mean, I, everybody says, when's, when's this, when's the sequel to time Hire coming out? Yeah. And, you know my obligation now is to to random house to give them seahawk and then what's the next book going to be so sure. you can't take a year off and write another ya book
0: so uh, and let's let's do that right right now so dragon fires out there now seahawks coming december 7th right which is so a great a, update
1: because it's the, the beginning of christmas shopping
0: yeah
1: so it's a good time for it yeah sure well, dude, I'm already,
0: may I call you dude, sir, dude, master dude? Dude is good. <laughs> Mr. Dude to you. Mr. Mr. Dude, may I? <laughs> I love that word. And I love the way
1: girls call each other dude now. Yeah, do I do that? love that. Yeah. yeah. Like the millennial girls. Hey,
0: yeah. dude. My wife will do that. Every once in a while, I'll say yeah. something kind of silly. She'll go, dude, really? Yeah, yeah dude, what? <laughs> it's a great uh, word. What was I going to say, dude? Um oh yeah, talk to me about Seahawk. Let's give me a little inside s- scoop on Seahawk.
1: Okay. Well, yeah.
0: Um
1: so in Dragonhawk uh there's the all of the communist and socialist governments uh under the guidance of the Cubans Communist Party of Cuba uh have formed an unholy alliance. So it's China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. If it's a bad actor, they're in the red star alliance, and that's what it's called. Um, and and Hawk has a mission to go up the Amazon, where because they, what they're doing is they're building all these incredibly uh, like luxurious Chinese resorts, and they're called Dragon Fire Clubs. And so. Um, So they're having a a meeting of all the Red Star Alliance allies from the highest levels in Russia, China, Iran, everywhere. Um, And so is giving information that they're holding this like four-day conference way, way up the Amazon. Um, And so so Sir David Trulove, who's the head of MI6, says, go up there and take that place out. Just wipe it off the map. And don't care how many lives are lost and so that's what he does and um so in seahawk um he's decided that he's not spending enough time with his son okay lexi who is like 11. and so he says the the book starts at at black's club which is is, you know it's based on white's club in london and he says that he wants to take some time off to spend with his son. And he's having a new yacht built in Amsterdam. And he's going to do a circumnavigation with his kid and teach him how to sail and navigate by the stars and and about women and automobile everything, everything. It's like a tutorial. Awesome. Sure. So that's like so. That's the idea. It's a big sea voyage, epic sea voyage. Um, so he goes to Havana and he gets involved with a. Uh, he discovers that there's a. No one in the world knew this, but there's actually a third Castro brother, which is just what we need now is another Castro brother. And so this guy is building a revolutionary communist army um, in the Sierra Madre where Fidel was. And this Castro is gonna have a coup against the, uh, the right-wing gov- you know, American friendly government of Cuba. Right. Take him out. So Hawk's job is to stop that plan. Um, And then he goes to Miami, and he has some adventures there. and He goes to Bermuda, and and it's just it's just cool. It's all all mostly
0: at sea. With, so, the, laser
1: cannon, with the laser cannon on the bow.
0: <laughs> with a laser cannon on the bow. Yeah. As developed by Elon Musk.
1: <inaudible>
0: oh, that's my. Um, Take a look at the
1: help section in your Alexa. That's
0: this, that Alexa thing. What yeah. is it? Yeah, little speaker over there. Anyway, um, tell her to shut up, would you? No, be
1: quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, can you tell me who said this? I read, a, I ran across this quote, Alex Hawk, a James Bond-like character who kicks twice as much ass and has more money than 007 could ever dream of.
1: I don't know who said that, but I feel like I've heard that.
0: Yeah, I re- I don't know where. I Maybe it was in a f- review or something? Yeah, I can't find it. It's on one of your books somewhere, and I'm like, man, can you get any better of a quote than that? Good one. Kicks well, Ted as-
1: Bell is the new, James, uh, the new Ian Fleming and Alex is the new James Fox. That's a pretty good one from Jim. That's a good quote.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. really kind of him, yeah. When James says this guy can write, he can really, really write. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. How many times does someone use a, a, a word twice in a sentence? That was
1: really good. Actually. That was a great
2: quote.
0: Great blurb. I'm trying to imagine as you're growing up and you're an avid reader, I want to know two things because this is so much like Alex, who was one of your most influential authors? Who did you grow up as either kid or younger years, even today that you go, this author has some kind of magic. That I've I'm, never I can, seen. I can before.
1: tell you, I can say it right off the top of my head because I, there's only one guy for me. Who is It's Scott Fitzgerald. He's the guy I most wanted to be like. Got it. I just like. I think he writes like an angel. Yeah. Um, the most beautiful sentences, and he's just a fantastic writer. And I sort of tried to like Hemingway, but then I read The Old Man and the Sea, and I said, "This is the most boring book. I've read. nothing happens." This guy goes out by himself on a boat and he's looking for a fish, but like, nothing ever happens.
0: It's horrible. I'm so glad you said that I picked up that book uh, last summer and I was like really waiting for something. And I read it. And I'm like, and I well, turned the it on. I, I mean, the title is like, Oh, this is going to be really good. Yeah. Is no, this it? This boy's really bad. Nothing happened. But anyway, back to was uh, Scott. Um, what was the book that, do you remember a book that I, I bet you it's in your library?
1: Oh yeah. Well, Tether is the night. Okay. And the Great Gatsby, which I think is—I mean, I have two books that I think are the best American novels. Uh, one is *Huck Finn*, oh. is, I think the greatest American novel, and and Hemingway himself said that all great American literature flows from *Huckleberry Finn*. That's what that's what Hemingway said about Mark Twain. Wow. And uh, and then Scott, and I love all his books: *The Beautiful and the Damned*, *Tender Is the Night*. Um, yeah, they're just—I love them. So I, when I'm like, feel like I'm not writing very well, I, I just pick up a Fitzgerald book and read a few pages and I'm back in. You
0: well, know. I got a little inside secret for you, Ted. You're you're doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, we're all we're all back here eating your dust, wishing we could be kind of in your sphere up front. So well, that's very yeah, you. it's true. Now, uh, along that same line, you had to have had a hero, a childhood hero, a young man hero, a current hero. Who, who's somebody that you thought, man, that's- I, think,
1: I think my first hero was my dad. Oh. He was an awesome B 25 pilot in the Army Air Corps up in the Aleutian Islands, distinguished flying cross for his attacks on Japanese naval convoys. He was a hot shit. Wow. And incredibly good looking. Uh, He's on the cover of Life magazine with the Cotton Queen. They used to have this thing called the Cotton Queen down south. And he was just a great, he was funny. You know, he was a great chess player. Uh, his, the Civil War historian. But I mean, just the fact that he, you know, when I was sitting at the K.A. House, the Cap Alpha House in Virginia, drinking beer, waiting for my girlfriend to arrive from Sarah Lawrence or whatever, he's flying a plane with eight guys' lives in his hands getting shot at all day uh and i you know i'm because i was like 22 maybe in my junior year or senior year and he was flying a bomber um, in harm's way and and responsible for the lives of all those young guys and i just thought that was was just amazing so he, he was you know i used to wear his bomber jacket i still have it
0: that's awesome how long did he live he,
1: he, lived, he lived a long time for a guy who drank a, a bottle of bourbon every day. I mean, he was just, he was a good old, he was from South Carolina. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he was a great South Carolinian. And uh, he used to, uh, his doctor was always telling him to stop smoking and stop drinking. And he told me that, you know, he was like, not, he had turned 90 and he went to see the doctor. And the doctor said, well, Ted, how's it? How's the drinking going? He said, it's fabulous, fabulous. He said, What do you mean? He said, Well, Sally, Sally doesn't put dinner on the table till seven o'clock. So between six o'clock and seven o'clock, I drink as much as I possibly can. <laughs> That's what he said. And I have Hawk saying that in one of the books, saying that to his doctor at Bermuda that Edward the 7th Hospital, he says exactly that thing to him. How's the drinking?
0: How's the drinking, Alex? Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding up my end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. So with and so that's your full-on childhood hero. Did you have one uh, that came along later, or somebody that you looked up well, to? Yeah, I like Gary Cooper. Oh, yeah. You know, hi, like the Quiet Man,
1: and I like Gable. Yeah, and I like Spencer. I love those guys from that year. And I became—I had a house in Aspen for some years, and I became really good friends with the actor Robert Wagner, R.J. became oh, a good yeah. friend of mine. We played golf all the time, and he was—he grew up uh, as a caddy at the Bel Air Country Club. So he was—he was out playing golf with Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy and Gary Cooper and Cary Grant, and they were all letting him drive their cars, or Duesenbergs or whatever. And he just had amazing stories to tell about those guys. How uh-huh.
0: <laughs> It was great. It was great. Yeah. What a charmed life. Yeah.
1: He's, he's a great It's a wonderful guy, actually.
0: Let's transfer over to writing a little bit. When when do you when does that moment, that light bulb go on when you go, oh, I have a solid idea. This this is this is it. Now, with a lot of Alex Hawks, I gotta believe that you have that happen uh repeatedly but yeah when does that happen for you when do you and 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 the next part of that when do you know that that arc now i know that you're you're a pantser so we we've, we've made that uh, pretty clear already but where do you know when do you know okay this is going to be the completion of this story
1: right well i when i thought of the idea of of, of hawk taking his son for a, a circumnavigation of the globe. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great idea because I could have, you know, have his son have to step up to plate and do some heroic things and mimic his father, or learn from his father or whatever. I just thought, I just like that idea. Yeah. Um,
0: Plus I love the fact that you get as the reader, the, the a father can read the story and his son can read the story. That's right. That's right.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, but I mean, like right now, I'm trying to think of what to do after a Seahawk. And I'm, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm having ideas, I'm having titles come into my head. And, um, but I haven't got it yet.
0: That was my next question. I mean, I know that as writers, we're, you know, we're release we're, we're daydreaming about this one. We're writing this one, we'll release it. And as soon, before oh. it even releases, we've got to be working on the exactly. next one. So I'm like,
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What's, so I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that lightning to strike. I mean, I you know, I just don't have it yet. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, you know, it's it's still a long time until Seahawk comes out. Sure. And they want me to do one a year, so I've got a year from December 7th.
0: Yeah. With another one out there. You got so time. Well, I'll be all right. Yeah, between your gallivanting down to Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. You know, South Carolina. Charleston. Charleston. <laughs> Charleston. You got to roll that thing a little bit now. Yeah, I, love I love it. I love it because
1: I'm, you know, I grew up with a South Carolinian. You, you had that sweet, honey, Southern yeah. Charleston accent.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's my tough. God. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Ted and I will dissect book covers and find out some of his writing secrets that make him such a huge success. Stay with us. Alex Hawke, British lord and gentleman spy, is looking for the queen's missing grandson whose disappearance may be the culmination of a plot almost a century old. Pick up Dragonfire, the latest breathtaking adventure from New York Times bestselling novelist Ted Bell. Available now wherever books are sold. And we're back. See the cover of Seahawk. Yes, I did. Where is it? Do you like it? I love it. I was going to ask you. I have a note here to ask you, who does your covers? Well, now it's it's Penguin Random House. And I I think it covers fantastic. I love this cover. It I think it's the best hot cover yet. It is. It I don't know what it is. It's it's very um it's modern
1: the gun and the, it just it looks like this is going to be good.
0: Yeah. I would buy it just for the cover, and I don't say that very often. And I'm not saying it because you're just sitting here.
1: I did like the cover that I did with Emily Bessler at Simon and Schuster for Pirate, which was the 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 single orange life preserver floating on the sea at night, just just floating out there empty. And I I just that was my idea, and I really love that what um, i
0: love i love the uh use of color palette and yeah you it it it, it forms an enormous question i would say that is one of my favorites czar is pretty clever because it's a it's it's like a double entendre in image you can't tell if that's a river or a split a crevice. yeah, yeah, yeah. at the top um, of the world but uh dragon fire feels like a movie poster
1: yeah. Well, I like oh. the guy on his motorcycle.
0: Yep. Overkill looks like a James Bond. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. 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 Uh, Patriot feels, uh, I'm going to say something. I hope it pisses you off a little bit. Kind of James Patterson ish. Overkill? Is Patriot. that the one? Oh, Patriot. Yeah. I can't yeah. even remember
1: what that is. What it looks That's like.
0: That's a guy running through a. Uh, he's running past the lens and it's. A oh, spear. with a gun. Yeah. yeah. My favorite so far is C- Seahawk is just.
1: It's is great. It's a dynamite. Like, oh, buy me. Yeah. You know, you're walking through the airport. You stop in the bookstore on your way to the plane. Yeah. And you walk by that, and you just say, "Okay, I'm buying that."
0: Hopefully, I won't have to buy it. Hopefully, you'll autograph it and oh, just oh, send you're it to me. Get one. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah,
2: you <laughs> <will> get
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a question for you. I always love this is this is into the little minutia of it's the radio guy and me coming out. Paper and pen or laptop or desktop?
1: uh uh desktop and then a i and then up and then i mac you know whatever it is the the, the, one, the one i'm on now
0: yeah macbook bro the um MacBook. so never so not not fountain point not fountain pen not ballpoint no. not pencil no none of that
1: i tried i tried it in the beginning yeah. you know on legal pads and just, just felt like work <laughs> <laughs> but when you sit here doing this and it's just coming out
0: yeah it feels it feels good you know, this is so funny. I want to I want to drill down on this because you and I share. Uh, I, I've gone to more conferences and I've sat in uh, classes and I've. I'm you know this is my third career, so I'm really trying to do this right. Sure. But I sit on a fence. My right leg dangles over the side that says, "Come on, dude, it's imagination. Just let it roll. Just let right, me right, let right. my fingers just go." Who's talking? Man. Yeah, and then let and the left leg says no we've got to have form and structures or that we know where we're going and i'm like no
2: yeah no you don't
0: yeah
2: i think i mean i don't want to know
0: i want it to be a surprise yeah
1: you know and i think if, if you write it like that then it's fun for the reader because
0: they but, don't like oh i never saw that coming because if you're getting surprised they're going to get surprised right right yeah right. and not just at the end but all the way through
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. all right I mean, I had this character in Dragonfire that I have this very good friend of mine named Anson Beard who used to be uh, chairman of Morgan Stanley and he's a good friend of mine down in Florida. And I was at his house one night for dinner and he took this other guy who'd never been to his house before upstairs to his office where he's got all these stuffed animals and sailfish and all the stuff he's caught. His brother was Peter Beard who was the famous guy in Africa who was married to the model yeah, he just passed away a little while ago. But anyway, so so Anson uh, and this other guy, who was another guy that I knew, uh, were both. So Anson asked the other guy, are you a member of the South Carolina Plantation Society? And he says, of course I am. I've got a beautiful plantation just outside of Charleston. And Anson said, well, I, my mother and father had a, a plantation. They we They were members of the, of the South Carolina Plantation Society. And uh, she said, "We had a lot of strange people around in those days." He said, "Did you ever hear of a guy down there named Shit Smith?" And I and I just froze like in the, the headlights. I went, "What did he say?" And I, and I turned around. I said, "Anson, what what did you say this guy's name was again?" He said, "Shit Smith." I said, "His name was Shit Smith." He said, yeah. So I named the villa the Dragonfire Shit Smith. And my my editor Tom Colgan. And Putnam said, We can't do that. I said, well just, well, just call him Mr. Smith. You know, but every now and then he'll just, somebody call him shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great name for a bad guy.
0: That's funny. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's good. All right. By the way, I want you to see that I did come prepared. Uh huh. Ah, the, the see through. Yeah. The, the traditional see through is that with an olive, I hope? Yeah, double olives. Boy, does that look good? I might have to go make one of those myself. I just, I—it's been sitting here getting warm, but I thought, you know what? I, I want to be able to bring it out because it's excellent, it's excellent. Of anyone that I know would appreciate it, it'd be you.
1: You know the guys from the crew, Mike House, and all those guys. Yes, yes, yes. They when they do these things, yeah.
0: they're drinking. Oh yeah, they're drinking. They say, "Fix a drink, Ted. Let's do it."
2: <laughs> I'm going. They're, to- they're, just, they're, they're going.
0: I'm going to start having a session. My uh, wife and I had a podcast a uh, uh, summer or two ago, and we would, it would call the uh, cocktails and conversations. And we would, sure. st- st- we would have a cocktail before we're getting ready for the show. Sure. Well, the good news is we had a really lot of fun doing it. The bad um, news is by the end of it, we were so soused. It was <laughs> a little embarrassing, but yeah, we want to bring, I need to bring that back because Let's, let's think about it. You, you relax a little bit with a cocktail while you're doing you a do. show makes it fun. Yeah, drinking yeah. is fun. That's yeah, good. It's good. And speaking of which, while we're wrapping things up, because I know you got sure. a busy schedule and I don't want to eat up all your time, but no, I'm enjoying it. Thank you. I am too. This is really delightful. All right, you're invited to a super posh party. We won't go into details where it is, but it's wonderful. It's it's at the dreamiest location you can think of. I mm-hmm. want to know what car are you going to arrive in? That might not be your Bentley. What cocktail will you be having at this fine occasion? And who? I mean, one, it, like the
1: one you just showed me. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And
0: and who is on your arm? So three things. Dreamiest location. What car are you going to arrive in? What cocktail are you going to be drinking? The martini, and uh, who's on your arm?
1: Well, I would probably, I probably would drive the Bentley because that's the car I, I just, that's my go-to.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, uh,
1: and I definitely would have Victoria de yeah. who's a Spanish countess, and my girlfriend who yeah. lives in Charleston, uh, on my arm, and nobody else. Perfect. She's fabulous. She's just fabulous. You know, I'm going down on Saturday morning. I'm just, I can't wait. i am been sitting in this house by myself writing that book. And I'm just ready to get get out of here. Like yeah.
0: Enough. I bet she is beautiful. And oh, here you go. Gin or vodka martini?
1: I, my father, who loved to drink and drank a lot, but you never saw him in any way out of control or anything. But he's, I think it was my grandfather or my father, when I first mentioned gin, because I probably experimented with it in college, but um, I, my dad called it loudmouth soup because <laughs> it made you think you were like you were a little, really smart or a really tough guy, or, and just <laughs> right. Loud soup. So once I heard loudmouth soup, I said, "No, I'm not going there."
0: So you but, stuck with vodka. Yeah. 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 It's funny in my early days uh, when I was, I was in Chicago, uh, which is one reason I knew about your, uh, advertising days. Yeah. I was doing a radio show there and we were doing Tanqueray martinis. Now what I have learned through the years that Tanqueray is not uh, no offense to Tanqueray, but it's not the gin uh, to drink because then I discovered, um, Hendrix and I thought that that's better.
1: Which was, which is the gin that you, that you like Hendrix. Hendrix, Yeah, that's it's a
0: good a, one. Yeah, it's a botanical blend and it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think I've got a bottle in there. Yeah. One there on my on the bar.
0: But I will say this, and, and this is another thing we share. I do believe that a vodka martini is, in my opinion, the true cocktail, because, and my wife and I've had this conversation.
1: So with vermouth or no vermouth?
0: I like mine bone dry. I like olive. I know uh, it's going to be an olive and I had a friend introduce me to one day, a bartender in Chicago at a little bar called. S- I think it was oh, gold star sardine bar. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do sort of oh, my yeah.
1: favorite name for a bar ever in my life. And I, I it was on like division street, I think. And I used to go by it all the time. I lived on, uh, on asked, uh, asked, what was it? What was my street? Aster Aster street, Astor. which was, a block up from the, the famous hotel. Um, I can't, anyway, but like one block off of, of, the, of the river, off the lake. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, it was it just had a big sign hanging out over the door and said, stop and drink.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was the name of the place. I
2: stop like it. and
1: drink. Let's go to, and we used to go there after work, just like a to- crappy little bar. But it was just so funny to go to a bar called stop and drink.
0: Well, the little trick I learned from the gold stars, they kept their, um, vermouth in an atomizer and they would literally just go just, just a mist. And I was like, that's the way I want it. Yeah.
1: That's very cool.
0: cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, okay. Oh, here you go. As we come to a closer conclusion, when you're writing, are you a fan? Do you like to listen to music or do you like it quiet?
1: I keep thinking that I'm going to have music and then I end up not because I think I might find it distracting or something. Yeah. And if I had it, I don't know what, you know, what I want Wagner or what I want, you know, Beethoven, I don't know something. Um, but I have, I bought a, one of those Bose speakers. Uh huh. So I thought I could have it in here if I wanted to and try it out. I just haven't tried it yet. Sure. It might help or it might be distracting
0: okay here's then this will be a variation on that theme you're taking a long trip long flight could be a train um with you it could be anywhere in the world you have one book to read and you've got one cd to listen to what would be that book and what would be that cd well i should
1: show you the book because i'm recommending it to everybody i know can i just duck out in there please do please do It's, it's brilliantly written
0: yeah All right, let's take a short break as Ted hunts for his recommended reading. And I wonder if you'd do me a small favor. If you're listening on your favorite podcast channel, would you take a quick moment to like? And if you're watching on my YouTube channel, would you consider liking and subscribing? As you can imagine, it takes a lot of work to create these shows. And if you like and share via your favorite social channels, you'd help offset the big tech algorithms as well as show me that you like the work. I'd be mighty grateful. Okay, now back to the show.
1: Okay, and action. (laughs) Work with me, people, please. (laughs) Quiet on the set. Hello, this is Ted Bell, the author of the Alex Hawk spy novel series. And you are enjoying, as am I, the Thriller Zone with our host, David Temple, who just happens to be a fabulous guy. So have fun. So it's called The Anatomist. And here's the the cover. I don't know if you can see it. And his name is Federico Andujazi. And the book is called The Anatomist. Can you see it?
0: Yes, Federico
1: anduhazi, I think.
0: I love the cover. Isn't the cover, great. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So it's kind of,
1: um, it's just the guy's an incredible writer, and it's not like the kind of stuff I normally read, but it's it's really good.
0: How would you describe it in like a sentence? Um, if you say it's something you don't ordinarily read.
1: Well, it's 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 kind of erotic. Okay. You know, the first five pages, I don't know if the whole book is, but I mean, he's an incredibly elegant writer. Um, and I think Victoria would love it because she's very European. Yes. Um,
0: and erotic, I'm sure. So
1: she's <laughs> bingo. <laughs> That's why she's on the pal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bingo. Um,
1: oh, um, yeah, I... I'm just, what have, what have I been reading? I'm, I've, I was one of the original Stephen King fans and everybody made fun of me because I said, I said why do you read that car trash? And, you know, and I would say, look, the guy is like, and I, I just read The Stand which I, and then The Shining. And, and I said, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. This guy is going to be the American Dickens. Yep. He, he's, the guy is fabulous. Yeah, and um, so I'm reading Rose Matter, which I've never read, Stephen. And then I love this guy because he's one of my Florida writers, Tim Dorsey, Tropic of Stupid. <laughs> 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 it's Hysterical! It's hysterical. So I'll oh probably pick this
0: to, I'll read this on the plane to Charleston. That's awesome. I'm trying to think of what is Stephen King's new one called Billy Summers. Billy Summers. I was reading, uh, I was scanning uh, Twitter today. Linwood Barkley said, a day and a half, fastest I've ever read a 500-page book. Have a crick in my neck to prove it. Well done, Stephen King. (laughs)
1: Good for him. That's great.
0: Yeah, he's Um, good. He is good. Yeah, saying he's good is like saying, yeah. Yeah, right. I like breathing, you know. He's
1: really, really right. Water is (laughs) wet.
0: yeah that guy can that guy can put a word together (laughs) in a sentence or two yeah right last question yeah if you could give your younger self one piece of sage advice if you could go back and say here come here young ted could be seven years old could be 15 could be 21. right Right. what what would that be
1: um be honest and um, and never do anything that you don't love. Like that's why I wanted to become a writer because I loved reading. Um, and it's kind of the reason I I said if I got to make some money, which I did after college, I said why not go into advertising and be a copywriter because at least I'll be writing. Right. Yeah. You know? what I didn't realize is it'd be spending other people's money to go to the South of France and shoot a commercial at the hotel, de cat, you know, it's just be living it up, you know?
0: Yeah. It was pretty good life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have had quite a life. And we, and we look forward to seeing what is next for Ted bell. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I hope what's next is going to be a universal movie um, of one of the Hawk books. And the streaming Netflix streaming series of the time pirate. Wow. Um, you, you've, you've seen the time pirate uh, cover, right?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got yeah. it here. That's pretty good. Yes. I do like those. And it reminds me of, it has a feeling of, well, I'm trying to think of who I f- fantasized and escaped with. I was always a big Huck Finn fan being me in too. the South, but um but Hardy Boys, I mean, you know, I love the
1: Hardy Boys. I read it, every one of them,
0: loved them. Never got any better than that. And yeah, so it was
1: great. It was and great. we I need- named a character in a Hawk book after the, you know, it wasn't one writer. That it was one name on the book as the writer. And I can't remember his name right this minute. But it was like like five or six or ten writers that all contributed to the series. It wasn't just one guy that was writing them. But I, I think my inspiration for Nick of time was treasure island. Yeah. 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 You know, and I just said, if I could write a book as good as treasure island, Uh, I'm not saying it is, but it's, it was a way to like a, a North star, you know?
0: And it's so it's kind of cliche, but the one word that popped that bubbles up to my mind when we talk about this is the, element of escape you could just you you just run away to another land right right and you get lost in that world that's absolutely it's the beauty of it all
1: i loved um i love going up the amazon with hawk awesome. and, they, and they get they 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 run aground um because it's a deep keeled yacht and so they're stuck in the center of the river and 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 the skipper is afraid they're gonna get pushed broadside to the current and get flipped over. It's a 250 right. foot long yacht. And so they're, so they're sitting around thinking, what, how are we gonna get out of here? And all of a sudden they hear these noises of like paddles in the water and they turn the lights on up in the rigging and they're surrounded by canoes full of headhunters and cannibals that are firing poison tip arrows. And Hawk runs up to the bow and there's a guy with an arrow in the middle of his chest, dead on the bow. And it's a, it's a really hairy scene, and I loved it. It was just so much fun to do. Um, but it was great learning about the Amazon. It's just an amazing, amazing uh, force of nature.
0: I guess I'm wondering what part of the world you're going to escape to next, and I guess that will take us post-Seahawk, possibly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I always I've always tried to go to places that I'd like to be. Sure. You know, that's why I picked Bermuda for him because I'm I'm a huge Bermuda fan and I belong to a beautiful club there, and so I go there every chance I get. Yeah. So I gave him a house on Bermuda, and I was Victoria and I were having lunch at this. Have you been to Bermuda to Hamilton?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love it. So
1: the, the hotel that's on the, on the harbor is the Princess, I think. And I've not been there. The Hamilton Princess. And so Victoria and I were walking out of the restaurant through the lobby, and there were this, this, this couple and a couple of older people and a couple of kids. And they saw me coming out, and they stopped, and they were looking at me. And then they came over, and they said, are you Tad Bell? I said, mm, yeah, I am. They said, tell us something. We've been spending the last two days trying to find Teakettle Cottage, where Alex Hawk lives. Where is it? I said, I can't tell you. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be disturbed.
0: <laughs> but
1: I love the idea that they they actually thought it was there.
0: That is amazing. Yeah, that was great. It was great. It was really fun. That's got to make you feel awesome. Oh,
1: like like a million,
0: bo- a million oh, dollars. Oh sure, yeah,
1: you no. Know, but Ted, something feel better as they say. Well, so I'm reading uh, Czar for the third time. That cheers me up.
2: Oh yeah. You
1: make a book you're gonna read three times. You gotta like it pretty much, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I would love for the next time that we uh, speak, uh, if it isn't um, somewhere around December when the release of Seahawk, uh, or I, w- I wish would, I we- that would be a good time for me. I wish we could sit down face to face, have a cocktail and do it proper. Style. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. We got to figure out how to do between that. Thanksgiving and Christmas? Yeah. To be decided.
1: And where do you want to do it?
0: Well, we'll just have to figure that out. Cause I'm on, I'm in San Diego and you're in Connecticut and we'll just have to Maybe we have to just let's see. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be down in uh, Miami uh, first week of November.
1: I love Miami.
0: Yeah, my fa- my my but wife's family's down there.
1: We stay uh, at the, the the hotel on Brickle Brickle Key, the uh, Mandarin. That's got the pool and the and the white sandy beach. It's right uh, out in the middle of the, you know, it lit, lights up the whole skyline at night, and it's
0: beautiful. yeah, yeah,
1: great restaurant.
0: Way to slum it. That's, that's a shame.
1: Yeah.
0: Ted, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Really? I knew it was going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I feel,
0: I mean, I've only, you know, I'm only through, uh, partly through a czar, but I feel like I know you. I feel like I know Alex and I, you know, that may sound kind of whatever, but I don't really care, but.
1: I'm going to give you one heads up on czar. Yeah. You're going to cry at the end. Oh, okay. Heartbreaking.
0: Heartbreaking. Okay, wow. Well.
1: Turns out to be all right, but it's it's this incredible tragedy that befalls Hawk at the very end.
0: Well, I am kind of a softie, so that won't be too hard to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: I cry all the time. Victoria says, you cry if a fly lands on your computer. I mean, you, you just cry all the time. <laughs> she makes me cry.
0: Well. In a good way. Yeah, I was gonna say it's her. It's her heart that makes you cry, probably.
1: Yeah, it's
2: great. She's just great.
0: And it's so funny. My wife does that to me. I I have such a deep passion for her heart and her soul that we'll be talking sometimes, and I'll get. She calls it misty. She goes, "Why are you getting misty?" And I'm like, "I just think about how much I love you, and you're just so awesome."
1: I'm the same way as Victoria. It's just, I can't even tell her how much I do.
0: We're lucky guys. Yeah, totally, totally. thank you again, buddy. My pleasure. I love being with you. Welcome to another episode of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. I am pretty stoked because today we have a return guest, one of our favorites. And when I say our, I mean me. Mr. Ted Bell. Listen as we discuss his latest Alex Hawk thriller, Seahawk. We'll also discuss a myriad of ideas, including some of a more personal nature. Oh, and an added bonus. You'll meet his Countess Victoria as she sets up the show. All right, folks, it's time to get in the Thriller Zone.
1: Hi, hi, I'm not Ted.
0: (laughs) You're Victoria.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, here you go. Here is Ted.
0: David. Well, hello, handsome fella.
1: Hey, good looking. Aren't we supposed to be in Miami sitting on Cap Key having a couple of margaritas and, like, watching the birds go by?
0: We are supposed to. And, uh, by the way, thank you, Victoria, for teeing us up.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Is it working like this?
0: It's working beautifully.
2: Okay. Go.
0: Yeah, apologies, but we we had a big old switcheroo on family things, and it actually worked out good because three weeks ago, I got the flu, and I'm just now over it.
2: Yikes, yikes, yikes.
1: Well, it's done wonders for your voice. You sound like a real announcer. Why, thank yeah. you, Theodore. <laughs> I tried to sound like one, but it doesn't really work for me. Hey.
0: <laughs> I like the uh, I like the setup. This is different than the last time.
1: Well, we're down in Charleston now.
0: Mm, Charleston.
1: Oh, in South Carolina.
0: Mm, lovely. Lovely. What y'all doing down there?
1: Well, we're going to parties and dinner parties and cocktail parties and drinking mint juleps and watching polo matches and holy hell, along the Ashley River <laughs> and looking for the house where where uh what was the woman's name in gone with the wind that lived in, in uh, charleston they were all miss pity pat remember her she yes was. yes oh. yes we we're trying to hear where her house is
0: oh goodness gracious
2: oh, no. all right. I'm going to be
1: okay um if, if victoria says she's standing by if you need her just give a shout and she'll be running in here for whatever reason.
0: beautiful all right all right well it's so nice to have our old friend, Ted Bell, back on the Thriller Zone.
1: Great to be back on the Thriller Zone. Peter. Yeah.
0: Can you believe, last time we chatted was August.
1: No. And and that was when we were planning the Miami trip, right?
0: Yeah, I know. Listen, pr- please don't think that I'm a, a well, dreamer. I'm, I'm,
1: or... I'm not trying to rub this in. Oh. I'm trying to, to re, re-tee it up. Like, we do it later in, Jan, in December or early in January. We still do it.
0: I would like that. We're going to take about half of December off and go visit family, the other side of the family.
2: Yeah, good
0: for you. But yeah, January, February, right when? Um, oh, wait a minute. Yes, let's let's talk about that off camera because uh, oh, I've got some ideas. But right,
2: right, right,
0: right. We we were talking Dragonfire last time, and that uh, Ted, we were two months into the show. We had just started, so a couple things I want to say. First of all, thank you for taking a chance on me in this show because it's because of authors like you that help the stature of the show and help it to grow. So well,
1: That's very kind of you. It's my pleasure, actually.
0: And it has gone down in my own personal history as one of my favorites. It was very well received, lots of downloads.
1: Oh, well, that's great. That's great, David.
0: And I hope you have just millions of books of uh, Dragonfire sold. Uh, How has that uh, been going? Thousands of them, you know. <laughs> Veritable millions.
1: <laughs> oh my lord.
0: We did have um we had like uh, just on the website alone, I think we had something around 15, 1,500 downloads, and that doesn't include Apple or Stitch or Spotify, so
1: there's yeah, no when so, so when you say a download, they're downloading what, the entire podcast?
0: Yeah, they're in, downloading your show. Oh, okay. Um, is that a Coca Cola or is that something else uh, more flavorful?
1: The, um, this is known as the Cuba Libre. If we were in Havana, which is Coke and rum, however, it has neither Coke nor rum. It has Diet Coke <laughs> and uh, and ice. And I don't know what you call that.
0: That's called a Diet Coke on ice.
1: Diet Coke on ice. Not nearly as interesting as what we were having. I think we we teed up a couple of martinis last time.
0: I had a martini on the standby that I uh, brandished at the end of the show, and then you ran off while uh, Miss Hightower yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, did a uh, horn blower horn blower yeah. sorry.
1: And so I went in the kitchen and made one and brought it out on the set.
0: <laughs> you couldn't get back to the camera fast enough to go.
1: <laughs> no, I be to- disappear before I could get there with the glass.
0: Oh, it's so good! It's so nice to see you with. You? you call her Countess Victoria, don't you?
1: I do, yeah.
0: It's so beautiful.
1: There's a lot Wait. of veracity in that, actually. It's, it's a story for another time, but it's. It is what it is.
0: I do have a. I'm going to start off with this question. I'm going to. It's buried a little bit later in the show when we get to rapid fire questions. But on a personal note, when you two vacation together, yeah, does she have to keep your nose? out of your next creation or are you smart enough to let her be the sole reason for your vacation?
1: I'm not sure. So um you mean does she have to drag me away from working to have to yes. lie on the beach? Yes. No. Yes Good. no. I need a beach so bad right now I'm ready to kill somebody. So we're <laughs> gonna do a little swing down through Palm Beach and Boca Grand and Hope, when this is all over, and just I'm just gonna lie and you know burn it all off.
0: Yeah, like, I'm with you. I mean, I feel like Mr. Pasty Boy. It's like we have we've had more fog here in the last month. It's like it's literally like London, and I'm ready for a burnout. Wow!
2: Wow! Yeah, yeah.
0: me too. Me too. Well. Uh, let's see, Latin, you know, actually I said the last time we spoke was August, that's true, but then we had a communication about Miami, but a- along that way, you sent me some, uh, I think it was a lookbook that your. we're going to jump off here for a second, your YA adventure series, Time Pirate, Nick of the Time is being developed into something, can we talk about that? That's right, that's right, it's, it's a two,
1: um, the first book uh, in that series was called Nick of Time. Uh, made it to the Times Children's List. And then the sequel was called The Time Pirate. And that's the one that Hollywood is interested in right now. And so we made this lookbook, which I actually spent a lot of time working on, going through um, Currier and Ives or whatever, looking for pictures of pirates and pirate ships and all this sort of stuff. But I was really thrilled with the way it came out. Oh, it's gorgeous. It just, If I'm a producer in Hollywood and somebody sends me that, its I don't have to even have a conversation with them to know what's it about, what's it supposed to look like, who were the characters, what's the period, what's the wardrobe. It's just a great tool, the lookbook. And I'm sure I'm not the first to, to discover it, but I'm working with some people who who think it's a big deal. And so that's where we are. So did you get a chance to take a look at it?
0: I did. And it's brilliant. Can I share? Absolutely. It is, uh, I can use this word, it's delicious. I mean, when you look at it, it's okay. so rich and deep. And like you said, you, you can't help but know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of times a lookbook will be more like a, uh, what do they call it in design? Uh, you know, a, a color palette or something, you know, kind of real soft. But this is like, you get it instantly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's a great, great tool.
0: And speaking of, I do have a question of curiosity. So I'm going to, I mean, we're going to we're gonna get real deep on here in a second. Deep but
1: diving. Deep diving.
0: Ted, this is one of my favorite covers of all of, all of your books. Thank you. And it you is, know
1: what? I will echo that sentiment. I want to send my congratulations to the team at Berkeley Random House. Penguin, who put that thing together. I think it's a knockout
0: cover and I it's my favorite one it is it is without a doubt the best and I've looked at all of them but oh okay so I do have a question uh, of curiosity were you by chance working on any of your YA work simultaneously while you were working on Seahawk
1: no no I started I started the YA series when I moved to London with my daughter in the fourth grade and, and, and a magical house in, in, in Kensington. And I called it the Peter Paul and, and Wendy house because it looked just like the darling's house. And I just said, this is the time for me to write a children's book. And so I wrote, I wanted to do, um, I felt like nobody was doing Treasure Island, nobody was doing Black Beauty, nobody was doing, any of these old things that, that I had grown up with, especially my daughter, uh, who was just reading all these R.L. Stein horror books, so I said, "Okay, I'm gonna—I'll give them something that's a little bit more—the kind of thing that I grew up with, which I thought actually brought me deeper and deeper into the world of reading than a formulaic cartoon book." Right.
0: And speaking of R.L. Stein, I got to meet him at the 2019 uh, Thriller Fest, and he's uh-huh. such a character because he writes such wicked stuff, and he's this mild mannered, just quiet, easygoing guy.
1: Always the, the way, right? <laughs>
0: um, the reason I asked that, Ted, if I can be perfectly honest, there is an adventure feel. I, I, you know, I make notes when I read these books, and I wrote this book, this phrase down: adventure feel. Along the lines of YA that permeates the book. Yes, it is pure thriller as your books are, but it has a.
1: So you're talking about Seahawk now.
0: Seahawk, yeah, I'm back right. to Seahawk. So, but it has a youth about it, and, and it, perhaps it's because you bring uh, Alexi into it. But it's the um, it feels slightly different than the last couple of books, and uh, that's why I asked that. And it and what I liked about it was that fact.
1: Right the um, answer to your question yeah huh? I think it's because I was so into to that lookbook and pirates and you know and and a 14 year old kid flying a, 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 a spad against Messerschmitts over you know the channel I, I just was had this whole I was in adventure mode you know I saw this this trip on this huge yacht as being a epic adventure from the get go. and So I just was just pulling out all the adventure stops, you know, but I, that's a good question and, and insightful because, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, they were just kind of flowing together there a little bit. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But-
0: I, I think it's a fantastic thing. There was an ebb and a flow. Like when uh, uh, Alex's son appeared, it, it, it floated more that way. Maybe that's because I was seeing it through the father's eyes. So there was that sense of adventure. Um, But yeah, it was really uh, warm and heartfelt and yet adventuresome. And it would could almost be YA if it weren't for the fact for some of your language.
1: Well, well, we just, you know, some of these, you know, people write me letters and say, did you really have to use that language? And and I would say something like that. Well, I could. At that point, have said something like, "And that was the night Susie got a hickey at the drive-in." <laughs> I, could that. I could have said that, but <laughs> I think I think I might have lost you by the phrase I used. But I would have lost a boatload of people if I said Susie got a hickey at the drive-in. <laughs> so I'm just saying, oh my God. just trying to lay that out there.
0: That is so freaking funny, um, yeah. And let's go back to that boat. Did and excuse my ignorance, Ted, because I didn't research deeply enough. But the boat, the yacht rather, the yeah. super yacht that you created, yeah. is there anything in the world quite like that?
1: Yes. Um, there, yeah, there is. It's a boat. It's modeled. Seahawk is modeled on the Black Pearl, which from time to time has been the largest sailing yacht in the world and been most innovative and advanced. So but it's but it's not it's not just based on the black pearl. It's an amalgam of things about other massive o- ocean going play toys um, that, that I've looked at. But yeah, there is yeah, the black pearl is pretty close. Cause the sails are carbon fiber and they're not cloth. They're they're hard. And they rotate with, they, they swing, you know, in or out. If you're heeling over, you're 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 going to port or you're going to starboard. It's all controlled uh, from the bridge, not halliers and guys out there, you know, running up to the top of the masthead and doing all that sort of, it's very uh, technological.
0: So there's no tearing, no breaking.
1: No, I, I kind of... I kind of didn't go there with the carbon sales because I wanted it to feel more old fashioned. Yeah. So when they're going up the Amazon, they're carrying sail. They're not flying with carbon. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, <laughs> I love all the Elon Musk.
1: Right? <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it.
0: You know, just.
1: Somebody, somebody said something to me about it. said, So are you getting a little bit too bondy now, Ted, with the uh Elon Musk's green death ray machine," he said. "I don't know. You tell me. Am I getting too Bondy? Is Bondy getting too Hawky? I I don't, I don't, I don't
2: know.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Bond, uh, 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 like side note. Anybody that gives you a compliment, which is yet again on this cover, Alex hawk is the new James Bond by some little well. Un, I think he's an up and coming writer, James Patterson.
1: I've heard, you know, I've heard of this guy. Yeah, heard good things about him. I think he's doing pretty well for a guy trying to crack the code. I'm, you know, I'm pretty darn pleased with that, uh, that, that quote. I mean, I, I really liked it.
0: And so my point is bring it on. I mean, if anybody compares you to Alex Bond and we, and we talked about this, uh, James Bond, we talked about that reference last time. And it makes me think, especially for guys like me who love James Bond, there's no higher compliment ever. And if you, if I had to bring out outside of the fact of copyrights, Goldfinger and Octopussy and fill in the blank of all your bad guys. If I had to take liberties with some of that and bring them in, I'm like, yeah, whatever.
1: Right, right,
0: right. Speaking of which, I had
1: one guy that said for, for 500 bucks, he would give me a blurb as Ted Bell is the new Jackie Collins. And I said, jackie Collins. i i don't want to go there
0: <laughs> first of all yeah i'm scratching my head second of all 500 bucks
1: <laughs> what
0: 500 bucks how about 50 grand maybe i'll think about it
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um Lord.
0: speaking of uh, james bond uh, we we went to see no time to kill yeah have you seen it yet
1: yeah i did i did <sighs> Yeah, I liked it. Oh. Yeah, I was glad to see it. I'm glad
0: to see it back. Oh, and so my wife and I came home. Tammy and I came home within the next couple of days and started going back to the beginning of Daniel Craig's, and we just would do one a night. And we came away with some new realizations that we had never quite threaded them all together. So, it, right. so this movie is the perfect culmination of Daniel Craig.
1: So when you go to the theater, with where do you guys go to the pictures? Where, what part of the country are you going to the pictures in?
0: San Diego and at a uh, Sinopolis. Okay. Have you been to a Sinopolis?
1: No, I haven't. So it's some big multi-screen.
0: Theodore, let me educate you on something quite extraordinary.
1: You do by all means, David, please. F-
0: first of all, uh, First of all, you get there. It's not a humongous room, which is great. Yeah. You have these fantastic side by side electronic barca loungers. And then you have a little key code that whenever you're watching anything, you just go boop and they show up at the row below you and say, What may I give what may I take as your order? And I'd like I'd like a martini, a bucket of popcorn, and what? twizzlers for my wife. Wow. And they scoot away in darkness wow. and within moments it shows up right in my tray. Oh,
2: fantastic.
1: That's fantastic.
0: As they say worth the price of admission, Ted.
1: We don't have one of those in and I'm afraid to say.
2: <laughs>
0: well, by God, maybe when we head on down to Miami Way.
1: Oh, we'll see one down low.
0: Gotta be. It seriously, it is it's a little more pricey, but who cares? It's the experience.
1: The first one I saw, and I can't remember how many years ago, but I was it was in it was in Vale. And this girl I was going out with said, I gotta take you to this movie theater. We can eat, we can get we can get a beer, we can have and I said, come on, give me a break. This is like six or seven years ago. And I, I think it folded. I don't think it, it didn't succeed for whatever reason, but your thing sounds much more high
0: tech. It is amazing. And everything has become completely touchless because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you enter, you go to a screen, tick, 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 tick. There's no, there's no paper tickets. You just swipe your phone, oh, Wow. pay in advance. If you want to pay on your phone, go there, just scan it, walk in, sit down. It's, um, I should be getting a kickback to do this plug. What do you think?
1: I think so. I do yeah. too. I'm trying to look for an angle where I can get in on it, get in on the plug so I can, you know. How did you feel when, when I guess I don't think we're going to see Mr. the likes of Mr. Craig again?
0: Yeah, that's he- very delicately put. I think he's made other choices.
1: Yeah, he has, I think.
0: Um, how did I feel about that? I'll be perfectly honest kind of crushed me because I'm a big Daniel Craig fan.
1: I think he did a great job.
0: He, you know, I, Sean Connery was always my favorite. No
1: question. was
0: close. He was Bond. He was. So I had a hard time ever really seeing any, and all the guys who came after, I'm like, all right, I'm in for the ride.
1: Yeah. And a couple of them, you know, they, they always say that the guy that that everybody makes fun of was the best guy, George Lazenby, was that his name? Yeah, George Lazenby, the Australian guy. I never saw his movie. Mm, but ditto. um uh I don't know. You know, I don't and then I, I Roger Moore never was my favorite, uh, because I felt he had sort of a French maitre d quality that I
0: just it wasn't working for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. And no, what, I
1: love the guy. I think he's I think he's a fabulous guy and I think he's a great actor, but it, it just, I couldn't get past that kind of suave, tables for two, tables for two. You know, I, I just, <laughs> that's probably a horrible thing to say, but anyway, I think he did. In, in some of those movies, he was great. Let me just say that. He was. Yeah.
0: And here's a gentleman, while we're still on the topic, here's a gentleman that I really, really like. I admire. I, I admire most for his. Decisions in movies that he chooses to make, and I've heard a lot about his reputation, which is pretty darn near impeccable. and And I hear he's just a remarkably kind guy. And that is Pierce Brosnan.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent.
0: However, I
1: think I think he did a great job.
0: He did do a great job. But the, the one thing I I was joking with Tammy about it that day. I said the thing about with Pierce Brosnan, and I loved him, and I love his sense of humor, yeah. but. It's the, you know, I don't care what fight he's in. I don't care what is happening. His hair is never out of place.
2: <laughs> That's right. He's got
1: perfect hair. It's so funny. Yesterday, I don't know where I was reading this, about how difficult his life was. Oh, yeah. And which I had no knowledge. I figured he was to the manner born and grew up and went to Eton and went to Cambridge. And, no, he had a tough
0: Tough go, I think, yeah. Tough go, and his, he and his wife have been married. I could pull this up and impress you, but he they've been married for, I want to say, 50 years? That's great. And uh, anybody who can pull that off is just, I'm a big fan of. But yeah, back to Daniel Craig. Yeah. So, and that love story in there that got carried over, which, uh, tell me when that ever happened in the entire series. It, it may be there, I don't remember it.
1: Tell me, tell me, I'm a little lost here.
0: Remember how he had a love story inside of uh, the one right before it?
1: In front of the movie right before.
0: Uh, uh, no Time to Die?
1: Yeah, but I can't remember it.
0: Yeah, um, Spectre. That love story that carried into the finale right. was just so remarkable, uh, which makes the ending so poignant. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And what was her, what was her name, her character name? In the in, in the prior movie.
0: Okay, now I'm gonna really have to do it. No time to die. She plays Madeline, and yeah. her name is Leia Cedoux, Seydoux. S e y d o u x.
1: Yeah, I do remember that she was incredibly beautiful, but it didn't. It, it, the story didn't remain with me.
0: Hmm. Well.
1: since that, that book came out. Yes. That, that movie came out.
0: Nonetheless, it does. Oh, let's let's keep on this for one more beat because we're both yeah. such Bond fans. Who do you think is or should be next for me? Yes. Who would you choose? And there's yeah, you've heard it.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm choosing the next Hawk, which um, that's my job. And uh, so I'll tell you who my front runner is, and I'm not sure I'm going to it's going to happen. But boy, would I love to see it happen um, is Tom Hardy.
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: Yeah. And then I think Chris Hensworth would be great too for a thousand different reasons than, than Tom Hardy. But both of them, I think, yeah, be a tough call for me.
0: Tom Hardy is one of those guys, and this is, might be a wee bit of a cliche, but I don't care. He does such an exceptional job of disappearing into each character, making each one, right?
1: Yeah, he does. He does. It's a great way of putting it, actually.
0: You just just go the way that's and I think that's the magic of a, a true craftsman. Well,
1: the the time he went away, the first time I saw him go away and the time that I realized, okay, this is, this will, will be until somebody changes my, this is my idea of Alex Hawk is this guy right here. And that was legend, which was he and his brother were sort of playing the Cray brothers as criminals in 60s London. And and Tom played, there's the this, this suave, good-looking guy who's breaking the hearts of all of them. And there's this sort of homicidal maniac brother who carries a like a, a giant curved blade <laughs> knife. And I never knew until walking out of the theater with this other couple and this friend of mine and this guy says, that Hardy's great, isn't he? I said, yeah, he's just phenomenal. I mean, you know, he said, well, which, which character did you like him better as? I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, which one did you like him better as? The, the handsome Boulevard J guy or the crazy psycho guy? I said, what do you mean? He said, he played both parts. I said, get out. I didn't believe it. I didn't wow. believe it. And then I went back and looked at it. I said, yep, he did. He did.
0: Ronald and Reginald Cray. That is one of my favorites. and And I'm with you. I saw that movie and I'm like, Holy balls. What? He's he's right. both guys because they're so, you know, a lot of guys will do that double play and you're like, Oh, they've just flipped the camera around. You know, it's kind of a mirror, but no, these are two so specific. Oh my God. He's so good, Fantastic, yeah man. I hope you, that'd be great. Wouldn't it? It would be so good. But I'm always on the lookout,
1: you know, everything I go see, I'm looking for the next, the next talk.
0: You know, and not only does he disappear, and part of the reason you you some would call it a gimmick. You know, you can put on a beard, you can put on long hair, and oh, you're different. But there's something about his metamorphosis that he yes, he can shave his head and do a beard, but it's the way he transforms his face, kind of like oh, Christian yeah. Bale. Christian Bale. Oh, absolutely, he does oh, that too. I hope, when when do you got any leads on that? That's just a that's a dream. That's a wish a wish list, or is that?
1: Well, I mean, it, 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 Hollywood is just—it's just so chimerical. I mean, I, I now have producers that that I am absolutely crazy about, and have been known and They're the—they're the going way back to when the first Hawk book made the list. Uh, these producers, who shall go nameless for obvious reasons, brought me Tom Cruise to be Hawk and um and i i had never heard to meet tom cruise anyway i they said you know we'll fly out there and you can meet with tom and his sister and his people and his uh paulo wagner his business partner and all this stuff and i did all this and did all this but i just never felt right about it and i just so it didn't happen and so i think there were a lot of people that you know maybe had some hurt feelings or. We're disappointed and um, you know, what are you gonna do?
0: You know how amazing that is, Ted? I mean, uh, not to be starstruck, but to have Tom Cruise interested and you have the opportunity and go, nah, gut doesn't feel right. Mm. <laughs> well it was it was
1: it was it was well it was really interesting because I'm my opinion of Tom has has gone like that. I mean, in these last couple of movies, and now he's he's shooting these World War II fighter planes that he's actually shooting. The, he's in the cockpit. I mean, I think I'm a lot bigger fan of Tom Cruise's right now than I was that day sitting in the Miami airport getting ready to go out there and talk to him about Hawk. Um, but but that's okay. Um, and a uh, one one backstory that was kind of cool. They uh, they said. Uh, Ted, would, you know, Tom, Tom was really not all that big a reader. He's not that crazy about reading. Would you be, be willing to um, drive up to Telluride to the ranch and read him the book over the weekend? And I said, no, uh, no, I would do that. You know, that's what I was like going along with it. Maybe this is meant to be. So I'm, on, I'm leaving Aspen and it's like sunny and then I'm halfway to Telluride and it's white out. And I had to turn around and go back. So I never did get to the ranch to talk to him or to, to, to help to you know, make friends with him or read the book with him or whatever I wanted to do. So nothing ever, nothing ever came And then right on the heels of that, literally within weeks, Johnny Depp, weeks. Weeks after Tom.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, and they were pushing. Warner Brothers was really a guy named Kevin McCormick was running Warner Brothers. He, he was sort of Johnny's guy. And he just said, you've got to get Johnny for this part. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And um, anyway.
0: Dude, I don't think I could be any more jealous of you right now if I possibly well, tried.
1: If you knew <laughs> the flip side of everything I'm telling you right now, you might not feel that way.
0: I think it's because uh, I've always been like a, a closet filmmaker, you know, a couple of shorts, one commercial film to my credit. And uh, every book I read, especially your books, this this is such a frickin movie. If if this isn't a movie, then I'm a, I'm a friggin idiot. So I see books as movies and I just build them right away. And uh, my dream one day is to direct a, can I, another.
1: Can I stick a pin in that? What you yes, just please. Said, to talk off the air. Mm-hmm about exactly what you're talking about and about something that I'm excited about, which is exactly what you're talking about. So I and, and I'm not gonna tell anybody about it but you.
0: Oh, I'm so, so honored.
1: So it's yeah, it's it's gonna be pretty phenomenal actually.
0: Okay. I'm putting it, a pen it's
1: a book, but it's it's just got huge potential.
0: Well, I'm very excited about that and we'll I I can't wait to get through the show now, but I'm going to yet press on. Yes um we've talked about daniel craig and james bond but i do want to go back to um i have a couple of bullet points i think i've already mentioned it. this book hell of a ride hell of a ride second i have a ginormous appreciation for the development all your highly expensive man toys i mean that's another piece of magic that reflects james bond yeah
1: well, I, mean, I, I sort of felt like I had license to do the, the, the Elon Musk you know, death ray.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, if my great idol, Mr. Fleming, can do a book called Moonraker, right, which is about a, a, a missile designed to take out London uh-huh. uh, back in the 50s, I think I'm all, I was on pretty solid ground there with, with the death ray from Elon. In fact, the fact is, I know the Chinese are working on working on doing these these laser weapons. So where's the problem?
0: You know, when you when I got to those parts, especially yeah, when China arose, uh, and I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes research for a project I'm working on, and yeah, I mean China is going to whoop up and surprises, and if we don't think that's going to happen, we're asleep we don't at the wheel.
2: Think it's going to
1: happen? I hope it never happens. I hope that we that our two economies are so entwined that it would be a disaster for simultaneous disaster for both of us that we would never be able to recover from and he knows it and well i don't know about our guy i don't know if our guy knows it but i know their guy knows it. <laughs> that it would not be a good thing
2: i'm uh, gonna leave
0: that one alone but i will say uh, you make a really good point since they do it's, it's like they lean against each other and right. it, it's a, it's a bilateral support. You pull away one and, and they both fall.
1: And by uh, right?
2: Exactly.
0: However, there are some psychopaths in and around the arena. Yeah. Let's see if I can be as politically safe as I can. That would not surprise me if they pulled an ego move. But yeah, to your point, mm-hmm. we're yeah. too important yeah. for them.
1: Oh, oh, you mean in real life? In real life, not 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 fiction, but real life. Yeah, I, that's scary. Uh,
0: especially, is it North Korea who's building these missiles that are very uh, infinitely more advanced than in the past, and with the further ranges and et cetera?
1: I wish I could tell you that it was just them, but it's not. It's uh, it's China, and it's the Iranians, and. The north Koreans and we are really late to the game and these things are game changers and 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 they play a very important role in the book that i'm writing right now very
0: important role is this the book that we're not mentioning but we're going to talk about off air
1: sort of sort of but it, it could be it could be it should go either way i i will i'll tell you about
0: it. okay so, uh, again, back to these toys, because I'm just a, that's probably one of my favorite things of all time. The AI systems, the helicopters, the planes, the luxury cars, the super yacht. Um, I mean, it's a wet dream for guys who love all those uber priced toys. Right. right. Um, I, I, you can never give me enough of that. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's good. Well, you're going to like the next one. Okay. Um, it's
0: fun. My third point. I love the introduction. I've seen it spelled two different ways, both in your press release and then inside the book. So I'm a little bit confused by, I am pronouncing it correctly, Alexi, correct? Yeah, Alexi. Okay.
1: Yeah, A-L-E-X-E-I. Oh, is E-I, okay. Pronunciation. I mean, the Russian pronunciation of his, uh, that's his nickname. You know, his father was nicknamed too when he was a little boy. Right. But it's definitely Alexi. Yeah. Okay,
0: copy that. And also some of the, he, by the way, he's just, he's just precious. And I know, I have to believe he's going to grow up and carry on the tradition. Yes.
1: There you go. There you go. Alex Hawk Jr.
0: Yeah, has to be. Yeah. And that's, a that's, that's one of the beautiful things and where I tip my hat to you, Ted, not that you need it, but you, you've created this legacy and you probably plan this out early on, but I mean, what, what do we got? 19 New York times bestsellers? Uh.
1: Uh, 16 I think it's 16 I there's four I, I'm sure on, on four 14 counting uh, the last one and then and then the two children's uh, YA books were, were on the
0: list so that's 14 plus I, it's like 16 or who knows okay I'm, I'm giving you more credit there you go okay. but you. let's talk about these uh, there's three guys that I really kind of zoned in on first was mi6 chief uh, david true love and these are these are three characters that i would uh, suggest that have not so hidden agendas him being the first one tell me about him for listeners who uh haven't seen this character yet so david true love
1: yeah david true love is based on um a a real person that i know and um uh, actually became a friend of mine because he became a fan of the books. And he came to New York uh, for, a, for a book signing at Barnes and Noble on 86th Street on a rainy night with another friend of mine who became extraordinarily famous in the Russiagate process and then talking about disappearing. And then um, who was a life fellow at Maudlin College at Cambridge brought this guy to the signing had, said, come on over here. I want you to meet somebody. I go over to meet the guy. I Ted. this is Richard. He's from England. He's He loves your books. And uh, and so I you know thought that you wouldn't mind if I brought him. I said, no, it's great. So I hope he enjoys the thing. So I do my little talk and um, I'm trying to, i made a joke about having fights with the publisher about titles and um and we had this huge fight, and they wanted to call it, you know, bridge too far, and I wanted to call it cheap Sect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just totally made that up, but I mean, he he laughed; or he thought it was funny. Yeah. So then, so then I went over to them, and he said, "Richard would like to know if you would, two of us are going to go down the street to Swiftie's to have dinner. Would you like to join us?" I said, "Absolutely." Have I told you this story before? No. So Swiftie Lazar's. Yeah, Swifty. Swifty. Well, yeah, yeah, but not the not the not the producer Swifty. It was the restaurant tour on the Upper East Side of New York. Got Named Swifty, and he had a very famous restaurant for a while, and that's where we went. And so the whole dinner, this guy's name is Richard, and he's saying, Ted, "When you say that Putin basically told that that." Uh, basically told that Russian guy to go stuff. I mean, did you, how, would he, Would Putin really do that? I said, yeah, he would. He actually would. And he said, how do you know that? I said, well, A, I make it up. B, I do a hell of a lot of research. I read all of the biographies about him. I read all his speeches. I watch all his film. And I just put myself into his, into him. And that's, when I'm sitting there, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, what would Putin do? I'm like, I'm just doing it. You know, because I'm just in my potent Putin mode. And so, but it went on and on and on and on and on. And where did you get this idea with, if China, because I was, the, the, the punchline of the story is that Richard, Sir Richard Dearlove, head of MI6, C, got me elected to Cambridge as a visiting scholar that night. And he and I became like that. And I, I mean, I it was just one of the great rides of my whole life, and uh, and he said, and so what's this thing? China's going to close the South Side, the uh, South Seas, and to everybody um, out, everybody who's not China. no other countries are able to transit, transit. And I said, well, what if we had, like, Hawk has this idea that we get the biggest freighter and military vessels from every single nation and we put them in formation in single line and we just sail right up the throat of that goddamn entrance and right through the South,
2: through,
1: through the through the goddamn South China Sea and let's see what they do about it. He said, I like that. <laughs> I said, I like it too. And that's what he said to Stefan, the other guy, would it be fun to have Ted at Cambridge? He said, "Yeah." He said, he does not think the way we do. He just doesn't even begin to think. We're thinking like based on thousands of years of learning tradecraft from the Ion- Ionians or whatever the hell it is." But so anyway, I got I got invited and I went.
0: Oh wow! What a great story.
1: It was a great year. It was a great year. Yeah.
0: So Sir David True Love is based, based on
1: upon Richard True Love. Okay, got it. Totally.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Now, here's a guy at the other end of the spectrum, and I'm, am am I pronouncing it correctly? Fideo Chico?
1: Fideo Chico. Yeah, Yeah, which means little, little sausage or something. (laughs)
0: It's It's not a flattering name. I love that. And then, of course, Mr. Smith.
1: Yeah, who, as we all know, sooner or later, his day will come.
0: It often happens, Ted. I'm sorry to tell you, but. Yeah,
1: yeah. I kind of hated to do it, but I think i milked him for, like, how many more times am I going to have him? Yeah, so we need a new bad guy now.
0: Yeah. Well, I, that's isn't that one of your favorite things to create? It's one of mine.
1: Oh, I loved it.
0: Yeah, just the best.
1: Yeah, I just love Well, the minute I heard that name from a friend of mine and he told me that there was actually a guy living on the Mississippi River working around the plantations and that was his name s smith yeah and i said you've got it he said nope he's a friend of my mom's (laughs) and she called him s s (laughs) yeah anyway it was fun to have milk that for a while
0: well ted as you know we're going to be releasing this show on friday which is the third and only four days later seahawk is going to drop that's right uh And and here's a question, uh, and I know you'll tell me honestly because that's the kind of friendship we have. Are you as excited each time around? I mean, with 16 New York Times bestsellers, I wonder if it ever gets even the tiniest bit passé. No. 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 It it feels silly now that I think about it. No,
1: no. It's it's just great. Yeah. I mean, nothing can ever rival the first time. That was just one of the great moments of my entire life which reduced me to tears and that's not gonna happen again but you know it's just kind of nice to keep you know striving for that anyway
0: and i was listening who was i speak uh meg gardner early on in the broadcast she said we were talking about being a new york times bestseller and she said it is one of the single most difficult Yes, prestigious, but infinitely more difficult than one would think to be on that list. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it feels daunting. I mean, it's always been kind of a dream of mine. I don't know if it's a silly dream to have, but I, I've always, as my dad used to say, say if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time.
2: Yeah, that's a good line.
0: So I grew up thinking that way. And I and he was one of these guys that who said, uh, I mean, big fan of mine, he's passed, and he said, look, Aim, aim at whatever you want. If you're going to put your focus somewhere anyway, then just go at it like it's the last thing on earth you do. And I've always kind of done that.
2: Yeah, right, right,
1: right. The Pulitzer Prize for, I mean, sorry, the Nobel Prize for literature is always sitting out there waiting for you if you want to, like, I mean, if you want to one-up, you know, the, <laughs> the rest of the boys.
0: Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know, I I'm, guess.
1: I'm just kidding. But I, 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 That's... Um, I don't know how, how much time we got left, but my former agent, who's now a very dear friend of mine, uh, a, a wonderful chap named Peter Lampack, and Peter was Clive Cusler's uh, agent for his entire career. He, Peter started his, his uh, firm with Clive, and, uh, and he had uh, uh, Martha Grimes, who wrote those wonderful mysteries the, the, from the British kind of uh, ladies, cozy mysteries. And then he had John Coetzee, who wrote um, Savage and he wrote, he was a South African writer. And so Peter gets a call one day, this is going back a few years, and he said, are you Mr. Lampag? He said, yes, you represent Mr. Coetzee in, in South Africa. He says, yes, I do. What can I do for you? He said, he says he's, he's not interested in the Nobel Prize for literature. <laughs> And I went, what? (laughs) Now that's, that's chutzpah, (laughs) you know. So, so it turned out that Peter and his wife, Diane, were going to have to go and, and Peter was going to have to either write or get the speech and give the speech as if Coetzee was there. Uh And, uh, and so he had written a speech while he was working at Princeton Uh, about a subject that would have worked for the acceptance speech for the prize. But then the Princeton people called Peter and said, you can't use that. He wrote it under our auspices and we own the rights to it. Anyway, guess what? He finally went. He got on the plane Mm -hmm. and, and I was there the next summer and they've got all the recordings of all the, the, the winners you know, going back to Hemingway and Faulkner and everything. And, and so I went in and walked around and listened to everybody. And I said, where's Coatsy's speech? He said, oh, he's over in the corner. I said, I, I got to hear what this guy said. And I said, "Was just tell me before, was he good? He said, he was the best, funniest guy we have ever had. <laughs> I said, holy smoke. So he blew him away. Whatever he did. He blew I will love it. Great story.
0: I love that. Well, Ted, before we get to our uh, rapid fire questions that kind of wraps the show, I do want to ask, here's an interesting thing. I just noticed this, Ted. Forgive me for not noticing this earlier. You're on a virtual bookstore tour for Seahawk with uh, Buxton Books down in Charleston there on Monday.
1: That's correct. Polly Buxton.
0: You're on, uh, in conversation with Ryan Steck of um, yes. Real Book Spy.
2: That's correct.
0: But guess what? You're with uh, my new friend, luke mccallan on thursday the 9th
2: yeah
0: yeah reason i say new friend is he is on next friday's show
1: wow fantastic one big happy family
0: he he, i i sorry to say never heard of him yeah but his book uh from the dark horizon uh is amazing he's such an affable gentleman uh we yeah. talked out. He's in France. uh Yeah, he's he's. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a good time. Have you guys spoken before?
1: Well, I have not spoken. To, I've spoken to Ryan a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ryan's a Ryan's a big fan of all those guys and uh, big fan
1: of, of, of everybody's. Yeah, you know, and they're all big fans of his. Yeah.
0: All right, time for our rapid fire questions. Really I super.
1: Can I, do I have time to take a valium before?
0: The- super simple, Ted. I'm. Making it easy on you. It's like we're just sitting, sitting around having a couple of cocktails in the backyard.
1: In the backyard.
0: Yeah. While writing, do you... And if I've asked you these before, just bear That's with right. me and keep moving.
1: It doesn't matter. I'll answer them again.
0: While writing, do you prefer coffee, tea, or a dry martini?
1: I would prefer the, the dry martini. I'm not sure how much writing i get done. <laughs> I think I would have to say I prefer to, prefer to start with the coffee. Yeah. And maybe... End with the martini. Perfect. That would be my, my perfect writing day.
0: Exceptional. And while writing, do you, I don't recall this one, do you prefer music or silence?
1: Silence. I try music sometimes when I'm feeling, you know, I used to play the uh, Apocalypse Now thing when I was trying to get myself all drummed up about blowing shit up and, you know, being adventures and, and I'd play that storm and drawing music. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I haven't done that so much anymore. When you
0: and Victoria are on vacation, what's your favorite, but perhaps least personal wink-wink, thing that you two enjoy doing?
1: Oh, God. Well, I think we just, you know, we're so much birds of a a feather that we just kind of gravitate towards the same things. I mean, what we gravitate to is what we miss, you know, like like we were talking earlier, I just want a beach. I want to be on a boat. You know, I want my fingers dragging through the surf behind the, you know, something. Uh, what was that old song? Got my son on my shoulders. Got my toes in the sand. One woman left me for another man. I don't care. I just smile and keep trying. That's that's my song. That's my, my anthem. I want to go back to Jamaica where I used to go and just sit somewhere and hear somebody sing that song.
0: That's yeah. My- Still speaking of you two, if you were both stranded on an island, let's just say uh, a recent hurricane came through and you can pick the island of your choice. What are the two or three? doesn't have to be complicated. Two or three things that you're really happy that you remember to bring with you because you don't know how long you're going to be there before help comes.
1: Right. Really want to know? Yeah. Okay. My desalinization kit. My, uh, my fishing lures. Uh... My rigor. How many things am I allowed?
0: I was going to say two or three, but you got desalinization fishing yep. lures. What's the third thing?
1: Uh, a fishing rod.
0: Okay. Oh, sure.
1: That'd be it. And That's it. A book, a book, some books.
0: Okay. Good. Perfect. You and Victoria are going to join Tammy and I for yep. real this time for dinner.
1: Yep. Great.
0: But you're going to join us for a lively dinner at our home here outside San Diego
1: you love
0: it, nothing more. It's so spectacular.
1: I've in L.A., and I've got every reason to fly out there from a, from a business point of view, too.
0: Now, so you're going to join us for this dinner, uh, and we'd love for you to invite two more people to round it out to a nice six. I think six is a nice gathering. Who of the two, living or dead, men or women, who would you jo- ask to join us? Wow. Now, I know that we would be company enough, Ted, I feel. but well, I you would, too them, the off chance that we needed you know a little more mix it up for a little more livelier conversation man or woman dead or alive
1: wow that's mm. tough dude. um tom wolf mm. would be like one of my and, and and somebody i know and have had a number of dinners with and just love love being with him how many more do i get just one oh, i only get one
0: you so get tom- two but you get one more so tom wolf is one
1: I have my perfect choice. And my second one would be Mark Twain.
0: <laughs> Exceptional. <laughs> Exceptional. Oh, you didn't let me down.
1: Are you going to have a martini now? Because I think I am.
0: Well, I did have one more question. I would. Well, it is almost lunchtime. Maybe I'll slide. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll slide one in with lunch. It would it would help me feel better. I'm so parched, Ted. I'm, God, uh, dang,
1: it's uh, so hot. You get parched. You get parched.
0: Yeah. it just It's such a refreshing beverage, too. <laughs> All right. As we close, I would like this. And you've given us, uh, I got paid the highest compliment from Luke McCallum the other day as we wrapped the show. It meant so much to me. And it, he's the first guy that said, you know, thank you for the show. Thank you for everything you've introduced me to because he's out there buying books of writers that I've introduced that he's never heard about. And I just wanted to say to you, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. You know that. And I'd love to hear your advice for writers. Like f- something you've, maybe something you've lived by, something you think as an aspiring writer trying to make that New York Times bestseller list, what would you say, you know, do this or, you know, understand this?
1: Don't ever emulate anybody. Anybody. I mean, not Scott Fitzgerald, not. You know, uh, to kill a mic. Just don't emulate anybody, and then don't, um, and don't give up. Perfect. That's it. That's that's it. Is it hard? Yeah, it's really hard, but it's really rewarding. And it's really fun when it when it starts when you start to. Some guy just finished his first book and he made it on the, the list, and he sent me a note. And I sent him a book, and I wrote back and said, "Congrat!" I can't tell you his name right now, but. I said, congratulations, you've passed phase one. Now you start the fun part, which is you made the list and now you just write your books, pal, just write them.
0: That is such a good piece of advice.
1: Yeah, it's fun to hear him, he reacted to that, yeah. You know?
0: And you know, I know it's daunting and I know that, he, he, I, I spoke to someone recently about their fear of they did it once, but they were afraid that they can never do it again. And I'm like, I, I guess I understand that, yeah. especially if you've spent years and years on the first one. Yeah. But if you've spent any time crafting multiple books that just even set aside, you already know how to do it. You just, it's right. it's the right story at the right time, picked up by the right person, released to the right audience.
1: Right. It right. just yeah. reminds me of, of a, because I think you know that that Jim that Patterson and I became friends in advertising and we lived in. Played golf in Florida together live right around the corner from each other. Yep. And so right after Hawk came out uh, and we used to go to the, to the uh, Trump golf course on every Monday morning. And so we're driving down the fairway and he said, I said, so, well, that was fun. You know, thanks for all your help. And uh, lucked out. I said, yeah, now comes the really hard part. And I said, Oh, right. I thought I just did the hard part. No, no. Now. You got to write your sophomore book. And that's the one that can make or break in. And that's put the fear of God in me, I have to tell you. Wow. So I, agree, I agree with him. I said, He's right. You can't come back in like three swings and a miss. I mean, you you'd better be something. But I thought that was a good thing for him to say to me because it probably helped me get over that hump, actually.
0: Yeah. It does take a tremendous amount of believing in yourself, doesn't it? And 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 going back to the topic of don't you know try to mock, uh, mimic someone is that I've always had this perhaps somewhat innocent theory that if if you want it badly enough and you've you know, the desire has been woven into your character yeah and you work hard to perfect it every day and you truly you're doing it for the right reasons you have something to say you want to. You know, I'm not talking about providing a living for your family and becoming rich because you sold millions of books. Because if you're doing it for that reason, I think it could be a dead end. But
1: go the wrong way.
0: Yeah, you're chasing the wrong path. But I don't know. I I just have this belief. It's kind of like when I was, and I don't know if I ever told you the story. I don't know if I've ever shared this on the show. I was nine years old, ten years old, and I'm sitting on the living room floor watching television. I'll never forget this. My folks are sitting on the couch behind me and this announcer came on the TV. You know, one of these tonight's movie of the week is, and I thought, and my voice had just started to change. And I said, dad, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be that guy. I want to be that voice. And then it became with time. I'm like, I want to be on the radio and that's, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then as I started to ease into it, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be super specific. Before I am 40, I wanna be on at least five of the top 10 radio shows in the country. And I did.
1: Um, I hope you saw this movie because I can't remember the name of it, but all I can remember there was a line that kept repeating and repeating and repeating. It was, in a world. Oh yeah. Uh, and it was about a girl who wanted to be a voiceover. But the whole thing was about the world of voiceover. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes,
0: I have. In a world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ted, this has been is Here's awesome.
1: It's always fun. Always. I look forward to it. And I can't right. wait to see you guys in, in San Diego. So, if
2: not sooner.
0: Man. Uh, yeah, either way. Uh, yeah. Miami or San Diego. Um, we've got some... Family travels coming up. I'm sure yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to Victoria. Is she still around.
1: She's she's like she's she's bustling around. Well, <laughs> she's not, she's not quite sure what she's doing. She might be working on supper.
0: Just big thanks to her because uh, I will
1: tell her that you said that for sure.
0: I I did miss seeing Cynthia, but I, I, oh, I somebody
1: just said to tell you thank you so much for all your incredible help. Oh, I'm and I'm not going to tell you who it is that said it either. Oh, so. <laughs>
0: All right, well I'm going to I'm going to ring off now but uh, un- until we speak again.
1: Always a thrill.
0: Always a thrill. Thank you for listening to today's memorial special honoring the life of Ted Bell. We send our big love and condolences to his family and we'll see you down the road, Ted. I'm David Temple. I'll see you next time for another edition of the Thriller Zone.